Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out on this Monday. Kevin, Ben, and BJ Bennett is back here with us on the show. So glad to have you back here, uh, BJ, to the show. We've got uh, so much to get to uh, on the uh, the program from the trade deadline coming up to the NFL uh, making news, college football coming back. But first off, BJ, glad to have you back on the show. Glad to be back. Have uh, have have missed you guys. Uh, had to take uh, some time away for some personal health issues, but I'm glad to be back. I know you guys have been uh, doing a great job while I've been gone, but good to see you. Good to be here. I miss being on the radio with you, and uh, 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 glad to be back. Thankful for the opportunity to be to uh, be back, and I'm looking forward to this fall. BJ is back in the crowd. Bah, 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 bah. We, got, we got, we got, the, listen, got the gang all back together. But that and meant it, that you were like, like paying for my dinner tonight, right? And like, what, wasn't that? That's what Kevin said when I came in this morning. Yes, going off, taking everything all the way back. You haven't been to my new website, www.hellno. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's the new one. Yeah, that's the one I got. It's, it's, uh, it's under maintenance right now. It's under, <laughs> but no, 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 it is good to have you back. <laughs> you know, being Kevin, been holding down the fort, man. But hey, man, listen, isn't it fitting though? BJ, you know, does what he needs to do health wise. We 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 uh, happy to have you back, BJ. But BJ happened to come back on the start of the college football season, getting kicked off. Well, but what BJ don't know is, if you haven't had a chance to hear about the Atlanta Falcons offense, the Orlando Led better let us know. Pray for us all, because it's going to be a long year coming out of Florida. Oh, it's tough. <laughs> the the camp reports are uh, they're tough. When the camp reports are, D line stuffs the run. Drake London barely got open. Yes, but when you're but when you are uh, defending a middling offense, I don't know if that's something to be excited about, or it's like, well, at least they can shut down a a team that struggled to run the football and a team that struggled to protect the quarterback. Outside of that, they were amazing on offense last year. So we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, I'm sure in the coming days, but so much to get to. Full show. Chris Gordy going to join us. Locked on the SEC podcast with camps opening up. Colin Lacey, Georgia Southern Sports Network, uh, going to join us on the program as the uh, the Eagles getting ready to start practice back. And Fred Owens will join us. Tomahawk take. Braves have made a move today before the trade deadline. Ira Adrianza back in the fold. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But obviously, guys, the the news of the day uh, around the National Football League is really the news of. Uh, the sports world uh, today, and that's Deshaun Watson. He gets six games, and he, and there's a lot of people who have a lot of things about that. I will say for folks listening across the radio network here in the state of Georgia, if you're listening online, ESPNCoastal.com, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Did I get all the plugs in there? Calvin Ridley got a year. Well, excuse me. Calvin Ridley got at least a year right? Yeah. because it was an indefinite suspension of at least a year. It could be more. Because, Ben, he bet on the Falcons in a game in which he was not playing, had no effect on, and happened to, you know, make an account that said, Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, I am actually betting on this site. Uh, but, so he gets a year. Yeah. You have uh, several guys, and again, not taking anybody's thoughts into account on, uh, you know, marijuana or whatever, but you've had several guys who have been suspended for a year plus for that. You've had guys get PEDs, which is, you know, you're, you're hurting yourself, I guess. A short-term game, long-term effects of using steroids. You get four or five games. Uh, who was it? Darren Waller got eight games for substance violation, right? Darren, 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 Darren Waller got a year. So we got, we got a Darren Waller got a year then. Yeah. Excuse me. 
Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I will say, in a court of law, he was not declared guilty. You settled with 20 women. All right? Again, that doesn't mean you did it, but the optics are what the optics are when you settle with 20 people. You get six games. And again, maybe the league comes out and says, hey, we wanted a year. Of course, the players' union is going to say we want nothing. He hasn't been convicted uh, in a court of law of being guilty of anything. And the arbitrator, the third-party judge uh, in this situation, says six games. Now, I understand Ben Roger Goodell can come in behind that and add more to it. But this is obviously going to cause a lot of people problems. Say, look, what is your punishment policy? I know you kind of sourced it out to a third party here, but I mean, you got guys who are doing steroids getting four games. A guy made a bet, which is, again, something all professional leagues frown upon. Pretty much known. In the NFL, don't bet on the NFL. But got at least a year. Sean Watson settled with 20. And I, I know a lot of people said, okay, if you settled with one person, okay, you can probably come into question of, Maybe there was something going on. They just didn't want it to go to court. There's just 20 people. You put a clause in this thing that said he can only get massages from the team masseuse. That's just a bad, to me, Ben, it's a bad look. A, a, a bad look if you're the NFL uh, that you're so inconsistent, seemingly, with how you punish guys. It is a bad look. <clears throat> it's a really bad look on a lot of different, uh, a lot of different fronts. One, uh, Deshaun Watson needs to know that uh, you know when you when you make bad decisions, there should be consequences. A lot of people saying, "Oh, well, he uh, settled with twenty women." Yeah, he settled with twenty women from the money that he got from uh, the Houston Texans for because for those who think he's already been suspended, no, he sat out twenty twenty one. He wasn't suspended because he still got paid. Number two is this: Judge Sue Robinson. That's who. Uh, that's who they did the, the third party. The NFL wants to do a third party to make it look like you know. They're trying to do things on the up and up. But they did a third party so that if the because the NFL PA doesn't want don't think Deshaun Watson should have gotten anything. The NFL, whatever that means, wanted him to get a year. So you got two different entities. Roger Goodell has three days, uh, you know, to, to decide his ruling. Deshaun Watson won the face of the National Football League. Deshaun Watson in a sat out year got a $230 million contract extension with the Cleveland Browns. Now, Deshaun Watson, he settled with 20 women. They said between, and this is not a crime, but I'm just between, I think, an 18-month span, he had like around 70 massage massages from 70 different massage parlors. What has happened in this situation is this, and I'm going to say this, and I don't care how people feel. It is the truth. The NFL has a problem when it comes to the treatment of women. They have a problem, and they don't care because Disco, anytime you, yeah, you got certain, listen, Ray Rice and those that want to say Ray Rice, we saw it. We saw, they, they can't deny something we see. Ray Rice never to be seen from or heard from again. With the situation uh, with Deshaun Watson, this uh, Kevin and BJ, when you are one of the face of the NFL, you don't think they're going to protect you? Oh, they are. You get people in the seats. I'm not going to mention what Ben Roethlisberger did, you know, uh, because it's just egregious to even say he got six games. Right? But we don't even, he got six. Right back. The situation when it comes to women and, and, and like, you know, sexual misconduct or domestic violence, you're going to have to come with something definitive or it's always going to be like this. It's always going to be 
Somebody was like, well, dude, how many women? I said, dude, we don't know. We just know that at this point, Deshaun Watson, in 2022, his salary is a million dollars. So whatever that is for six games, that's what he's going to pay. His 230 doesn't kick in until 2023. So if you, if you don't think that the Cleveland Browns didn't know that he wasn't going to get either a year or less, you are fooling yourself. They knew what was coming. So now it's back on Roger Goodell. I am going to be shocked if Roger Goodell adds any games. Because if that's the case, why do you got a third party? You got the third party to do what you don't have to do. So if the, I think he's going to keep it at six because all this, all this, when you hear this, after reviewing everything, get ready for we're going to stick with what uh, Judge Sue Robinson said. And she said, you know, you don't have to dig into, like, the reason why she chose six and not a year. But, BJ, I mean, like I said, until proven wrong, if you are the face of the NFL, they, they protect you. Ben Rosenberger was the face of the NFL. Deshaun Watson one of the faces of the NFL. Ray Rice was not. Greg Hardy was not. Have you heard from Greg Hardy? Have you seen Ray Rice? Greg Hardy does UFC now, right? So all I'm saying is uh, I feel bad for the ladies involved because no matter what money they got, man, uh, you're never going to see You're never going to hear from them. Money makes you go away. So we'll see, but I just, I just knew that Deshaun Watson, you know, if he's practicing and doing all this stuff, they knew he was going to be gone for a full year. You wouldn't have saw him at Browns camp. But they're like, no, nah, man, he won't get a year. They, they, they kind of know what's coming. We'll see how this thing plays out. But I agree with what Lewis Riddick said. Make it definitive to where we know what it is. But when, when, they're really, when, when you look at consequences in the NFL, it's, it's blank. You have to write it in as it goes. It's going to be a slippery slope, especially if you're in the face of the NFL. Like I said, Deshaun Watson, you know, week seven, there are going to be guys on the PUP list you ain't going to see the week seven. So they're going to look at him like on the PUP list. He'll be back in week seven against Baltimore. It's going to be Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson. You can go ahead and book it. Well, you guys were right about, about, about this when you, when you saw it. You know, it's a, it's a bad look. It's, it, it's hard to understand. And you mentioned uh, this, this is from the uh, ESPN news release. Uh, Watson has been accused of sexual assault and inappropriate conduct during massage sessions and civil lawsuits filed by, by, by 25 women and then last month, uh, the Texans reached settlements with 30 women who made claims or were prepared to make claims against the organization for its alleged role regarding the allegations against Watson. Uh, and, 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 and this is very concerning stuff. I mean, very sure. concerning stuff. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, as you mentioned, Kevin, uh, in the state of Georgia, if you follow, you know, some of those accounts, some of the, some of the uh, responses you saw were, were wait, Cal Calvin Ridley made a bet, like you said, in, in – you know, when you compare and, and contrast these things, you're not trying to do that. But if you're if you're thinking about it like that, Calvin Ridley made a bet and is gone for a year, maybe even more than a year. I mean, there's the potential that it's more than a year. And you're not saying it's okay to, but you're not you're not even talking about a game that he played in. I mean, right, yeah. So so to kind of compare and contrast and look at situations, look at various situations. Countless situations, like you said, Kevin, with I, with with marijuana, with with other circumstances, and then uh, compare that with this and the extremely concerning details that are here, the extremely concerning allegations that are here. Uh, it, it it's 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 hard to look at this and understand six games. And you know, Ben, you were explaining about with the new CBA, uh, you have the. The, the judge who <clears throat> reviews yes. uh, you know reviews the information makes the decision kind of takes it out of Roger Goodell's <laughs> hands uh, I guess there's an opportunity well, he, he, for, the, the, for either say, side well, to the, appeal well, the, or the judge, add the judge, to the judge takes out all the 
all the back and forth. Like Roger Goodell can supersede what the judge says, but it makes it much easier for him to make a ruling when you're going through a judicial process. Because think about it. Is anybody going to argue if he said, well, listen, they went through an entire process. I'm the commissioner. So he still he still has supreme power in these things. But why, if, he, if he says, I'm going to stick with six, what is anybody going to say? Because you went through a judge, the, the disciplinary uh, officer, uh, Judge uh, Sue Robinson. And <clears throat> let's face it, commissioners don't like doing discipline. And no league, by the way. Not just Roger Goodell, but this has been a this has been a soap opera. I we, you you haven't heard from any of the young ladies. I think you might have heard from one uh, out of out of this entire process. But as a guy that was in the National Football League, it's such a when it comes to football, I can tell you everything that happens. When it comes to discipline, I can't because it's different for every single person. Like it's like each end of out for all two thousand something players or whatever it is, it's something different for every single person. But depending on who you are, we have a lot to do because I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure because Deshaun Watson is an active member, I think the team that he's on, that's who has to give him legal representation. I don't even think he pays for it. I think it's like the Texans or the Browns. I could be wrong, but I think that's how it goes as well. So, Do you think ultimately, I mean, this this is what it ends up being, or do you think more I, more games get added? I tend to agree with Ben. I, I don't think they're going to add anything because, as you said, what, what are you going – to a third party for, and to me, I don't think it fully absolves it, but it absolves the NFL of saying, we just went by what they told us, right? It's like, we wanted more, we agreed to this process, we have to go, uh, I think they can play the high ground on this. Like, well, we wanted more, but we agreed with the players to this process that a third party is going to do this, and well, she gave them six. And I think uh, for a lot of people, uh, the NFL is probably, and Ben, we know this is true, this will be a big deal until he's back on the field. Yes. I mean, and, then, I, yes. And, then, and then it's one of those things, okay, now he's playing. Yes. You can be mad about it all yes. you want and frustrated about it all you want, but he's playing. So then that becomes the story. Uh, and I think the NFL is okay with that, right? Hey, he's playing. He's playing against Lamar Jackson. I don't know if you'll have the big Michael Vick. I'm back. But the NFL will not be afraid to put him out no. there. Uh, the TV networks will not be afraid to put him on national TV. Uh, I, I think it is. Uh, a situation where, again, I, I think it's unfortunate that you don't have any uh, you know, symmetry or consistency. consistency That's yeah. what I'm looking for in, in the way you kind of go about these things. Because, again, I, again I, innocent until proven guilty, court of law didn't. But you settled with 20 people, right? And, and again, we're all smart enough to kind of know when you settle, either it's cheaper to not go to trial, right? It's cheaper or... You just want it to be over with. If that's with one person, that's one thing on the optics, right? I mean, am I wrong? It's 20 people. Like, it's safe to say. It's 20-something people. It, it, yeah. Well, there's more that he hadn't settled with. But, I yeah. mean, it's safe to say if I settle with one person or I'm in, a, in a, a, a civil situation and I settle with one person to make it be over, I want it to, you know, be done with. I don't want to go through the legal process. Have all, Okay. If I settle with 20 people, I think both of you will look at me and go, Kevin, you probably did something you shouldn't have. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's one thing if it's one. Now we're up into 20, like, that's more than a, that, that, that's more than a coincidence, I think, at that point. So, to me, I think this is going to sit wrong with a lot of people. And as, as you said, Ben, I think it's uh, a situation where people will look at the NFL and go, well, why are you harder on Calvin Ridley doing and, and, again, I understand. Doing something that is legal now in, what, like, eight or nine states versus inappropriate behavior 
outside of the workplace with women in general, you know, who you obviously want to be fans of your game. And that's treated as less of a thing yep. than a guy who was injured, or, well, he wasn't injured. He was on leave for, you know, to get his uh, mental uh, wellness. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he, he just told to walk away from he, the game for a year. He's gambling in another state yeah. on his team, who he's a part of, not with, to, to win a game, and that's treated more seriously than 20 women, plus some that haven't apparently been done with. I, I think that's where people are going to get frustrated with the NFL here. We got so much to get to here on the show. Braves are rolling right along. Austin Riley having himself a heck of a month. Braves got a big week ahead. Two games with the Phillies, five against the Mets this week. We'll come back. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out. Braves off today. They get two with the Phillies. Five in four days against the Mets coming up. So uh, if you're looking for the Braves to try to make a statement against the New York Mets this weekend, might be a tremendous time uh, to make that happen. But Austin Riley, fellas, is absolutely unbelievable. Hank Aaron's record for extra base hits in a month broken by Austin Riley. Having a tremendous, tremendous season. Back to a 301, 29 homers. Uh, 68 RBI, and this is a guy that a year and a half ago people were saying, might he be a trade piece? Might we need to move on and see if we can get another third baseman for the future? Now that sounds ludicrous, and it is. Because- and I'm going to give you credit, though, because because not that long ago, you're right, there were a lot of people who were saying, okay, Austin Riley, we know he has power, but, but what do we uh, project him as over the full duration of a season, and not only since that point has he gone on to be instrumental in winning a World Series. Absolutely, yeah. But a couple of years ago, you were saying, put him in, let him play, let's see. And what you have is not only one of the best third basemen in baseball, but an MVP candidate. And again, guys, you're talking about breaking Hank Aaron's franchise record, maybe the greatest player in the history of the game for extra base hits in a month. I mean, Austin Riley had the walk-off, had the walk-off in a game where nobody could get a hit, what, yesterday against Arizona. Uh, Austin Riley is one of the hottest and best players in baseball right now. Austin Riley is a part of the greatest infield in Braves history, and he, and he proved that uh, by winning the World Series. It wasn't him by himself. Austin Riley had to share a team, you know, had to be on the same team with a guy like, you know, uh, you know uh, Freeman, Freddie Freeman, and now you look at what he's doing, Kevin, once again. It goes back to, think about it, going into his – second year, it wasn't, can he play his, hey, man, can he hit this pitch? Can he hit that pitch? Then he's coming off an MVP caliber season last year, and Kevin, you know, this, this, you know, going into the season, like, what are the biggest question marks? The health of Ron Lacuna. Uh, can Max Free continue to take the next step? Obviously, we didn't know going into the season wasn't going to be a Freddie Freeman, but that's a, that's a total different thing there as well. And it's Austin Riley. You know, can he have a bounce-back season like he did? I mean, can he have another MVP caliber season? And this, this goes back to when people he weren't didn't get voted to the All-Star game and just started hitting bombs. Bomb after bomb after bomb. Then became an All-Star. But I give, I give all the credit to uh, Alex Anthopoulos because at the end of the day, BJ, it's like, when do you call these guys up? You know what you got in your farm system. Austin Riley has been lights out. It was, hey, man, where are you going to put him? Are you going to put him in right field or center field when he's not at third? No, he's the third baseman, and he's proven it. Everything you wanted him to do, he's done. That's, he doesn't get overshadowed by Dansby. He doesn't get overshadowed by Isley. He doesn't get overshadowed by Acuna. And that doesn't mean these guys are in the cl- – I think Dansby is doing what he's doing. I think Ron Lacuna, 
Sorry, Braves fans. He's going to be all right. But I just think the fact that, what, he's not that many homers away from 100, and this is really kind of his full. Yeah, for his career, I think he has almost 90 already. So I think that when you when you look at what a guy like Austin Riley does is, you talk about how dangerous this lineup can be, he gives you everything you need. He's a clutch player. He's just as good at third base as he is with his bat. And I think when you think about playing for – that's what playing for the Braves does is when I don't have to be the guy every single night, but I can be the guy every single night at the same time, Austin Riley is about as good as to get at third base. And once again, while I thought that Dansby was going to be the priority in the offseason, Austin Riley might be becoming the uh, – might be becoming – you know, the biggest priority, Kevin, come this offseason for Allison Thompson's company. I, yeah, look, I, I think he has become a huge part of the franchise. I mean, people talk about Acuna. People talk about Dansby Swanson and, you know, Matt Olson with his eight-year deal. Uh, I mean, Austin Riley is not going anywhere. I, I think with every swing of the stick, he's, I mean, this is an honest, this is an honest conversation right now. More important to pay Austin Riley or Dansby Swanson at this point? For me, it's Austin Riley. I, I mean, and you're getting gold glove caliber defense. I mean, statistically, Dan's be one of the best defensive shortstops in Major League Baseball. And playing, you know, having a good offensive season as well. Ben, what say you? I mean, are, are you all about paying Dansby first? Or are you looking at Austin Riley saying, look, you need to lock this guy in. And if you got that with Albies and Acuna and Matt yeah. Olson on long-term deals, yeah. Michael Harris with five years of control, look, yeah. you are going to be good for a long, long time. I know BJ ain't going like this. I still think Dansby is a priority. Because this is the thing. We forget. Dansby was about as rough as it got when the, when the season <laughs> first started, right? It's true. Dansby is under a lot of pressure. Like, Dansby being an Atlanta, Atlanta guy, being the number one overall pick, all these things, I get it. But he has more than supersede expectations. And just because another guy's baller don't mean that I, that, that I'm, I don't deserve. No, 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 no. I haven't earned my money. Plus, yeah, but I guess the question is, and and I don't know. I mean, none of us know this. Are you going to be able to keep everybody? Yes. But yeah. Can you do both? I, I, I like, 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 like can you sign everybody? It, this is the thing. This is the thing. In sports, the biggest thing you could do for yourself, right, is just you know the the greatest thing you could do for yourself is just outprice the team you own. Baseball is always different, right? I just think that Alex Anthopoulos, once again, Kevin is just he's working with a different type of you know money situation. So Dansby could it's, – it's not what the Braves could offer him. It's what another team could. That's what it always is. It ain't Because once again, BJ, I know you don't agree with this, but they they did not do wrong by Freddie Freeman. I'm going to tell you why. I don't, I, you know how you know they didn't do wrong? Because if they did, they did wrong by them, why didn't Agent tell them about the counteroffer? Agent never told him. Yeah, that was that. – Because some because this is Why did he fire his agent? Exactly. Exactly. Not, Just period. I mean, think about this. Think about this. We, we thinking – that Freddie Freeman is crying when he came back to the Braves because it's all I'm, I'm back in town. No, he found out they had a counter. I know. Look, listen, that agent stuff is crazy. Okay, what? What? I, just to go back and now we're talking about Dansby's contract. I'm Austin, just saying. All I'm saying is I thought, and this goes back to conversations we had a while ago, that with a guy like Freddie Freeman, you don't do the you know here's the low offer, here's your offer, let's find it, dude. It's Freddie Freeman, get it done, and yeah. you had and, and and you had time to get it done yeah. up until you know the last minute when it got back and forth. Yes, I understand that agent dynamic is just totally crazy. I mean, I that was just startling mm-hmm. when you saw that 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 even happens. Uh-huh. I mean, but look, Matt Olson, what leads the National League in doubles. In, in, in doubles now? 
Freddie Freeman is hitting like 75 points higher and oh, is an MVP I, I, candidate I, I, himself. I, I know you, I, but Austin Riley, but, 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 but to go back to kind of the MVP, Austin Riley uh, kind of categorization right now, Freddie Freeman is having an MVP season, type season. So is Austin Riley. Yeah. I mean, right up there with what? Maybe Goldschmidt? Who's the best, who's the best, who's the best shortstop in baseball right now, you think? I mean, Dansby has played I'm his way saying, into that discussion. Like, he like, has. Like, listen, two or three things can be true all at once. Freddie Freeman can be an MVP uh, caliber season. Austin Riley can be MVP caliber season. And Dansby Swanson can be the best shortstop in baseball. The thing about it is, Alex Anthopoulos got a lot of good problems on his hands. A lot. But I still say that Dansby has earned a contract extension offseason. That does not mean that Austin hasn't earned one as well. The difference but, is but if you're Austin the Braves, go to arbitration. But if you're the Braves and you can only sign one, I think uh, I think I, I think that's the question. Kev, all right, uh, Kevin at the that's where it gets I think, interesting. All right, Kevin, they can only sign one. Who would Dansby or or or, or Austin Ryan? I mean, and I love Dansby. <laughs> I do. I do. But you and here's maybe a little bit more of my thinking. Dansby Swanson will be hard to replace. Do you have you have better prospects at shortstop in the minor leagues than you do third base right now? And I'm sorry, you can't replace 6'4", 240, who hits 40 bombs. He might hit 50 this year. You can't. And he plays great defense. Plays great defense. So, uh, to me, I... I'm, I'm making Austin Riley a priority over Dansby if I can't have them both. We'll come back. We'll keep talking Braves baseball. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Tate going to join us. Don't go anywhere. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out. Braves off tonight, but they've got a big, big week. Two games with the Phillies, five with the Mets, including a big doubleheader coming up on Saturday. Joining us here from Tomahawk Tate, good friend of the show. Fred Owens joins us. Fred, welcome. How are you? Well, I'm fine. I uh, just got back from Atlanta watching two wins down there. So I'm, I've had a pretty good weekend, and I'm about halfway recovered. <laughs> Fred, uh, you come into uh, the trade deadline. You make a little bit of a move for Adrianza, I'm guessing, to stem the tide until Albies comes back. You got, what, uh, about 24 hours to go here uh, until this thing's got to be wrapped up. Do you see Alex making another move? Well, I feel like he'll make some kind of move. I mean, Adrianza was more a question of getting Cano's dead weight off of the roster. And he, he wasn't um, – he wasn't I – I never liked him in the first place, to be fair to him. Uh, so, it'd take everything I say with a grain of salt. I wouldn't have had him there in the first place because I don't like cheaters. However – he uh, wasn't hitting anywhere he was this year. He didn't play great defense. He was supposed to be a left-handed bat. He wasn't any of those things. At least we know A-Ray will go out and give us 100% every time he hits the field. He's a great personality. He was with the team last year. Had a couple of big hits for us. Uh, is a speedy guy. Can play a, play a little bit of second, a little bit of short, a little bit of third. He even plays a little left field if he has to. So I think it was more a question of, getting somebody who's actually working hard and as opposed to somebody who uh, didn't really care. Fred, we're at what, the the 100 and maybe a couple of game mark uh, here this season. The Braves are great, one of the best teams in baseball. What surprised you the most about this team? I know the defending champs, but what surprised you the most about the success this team has had this year? Well, I, th- I think, you know, what surprises me the most is that we're doing it without Ronnie being at the top of his game. I mean, uh, when when Acuna came back, he had that little twenty or thirty game sprint where he was really good. But since that point, he seems to have lost his uh, lost his ability to make contact uh, with any kind of lift on it. He's hitting the ball hard, 
um, but it tends to be uh, on the ground or a low line drive or falls just short of the wall. He's either just under it a little bit or way under it. Um, and so I think he's lost a little bit of his timing, a little bit of his uh, bat plane somewhere along the line. I think he's going to get, I think he's showing signs of getting out of it. And if he does, uh, the league's in real trouble. However, uh, with him gone and Albie's gone <clears throat> to be where we are, uh, considering where we were without just without just Acuna last year, I think it's pretty uh, pretty much a tale of Matt Olson and particularly Austin Riley, who has to have worked himself into a National League MVP candidate. Uh, probably going to be the Player of the Month for July and and quite well earned. And he's on everybody's radar now. Nobody wants to pitch to Austin Riley, and I think that's part of the deal. Um, William Contreras coming through big like he has has been part of the deal. But, you know, if those guys hadn't come through, we had some serious holes there. Swanson having a great year. The core of the lineup has been good. It's the peripheries that haven't been. And, and I'm, we're hoping that, uh, you know, um, we can come through with something to do that, maybe uh, get a shock caller to get Marcelo Zuna going. Uh, but other than that, that's, that's what I think has been happening. The, the, the young guys have said we're not going to let this happen. And they, uh, Riley Stolen took the team on his back and been carrying them for at least two months. And Fred, with all that being said, obviously the Braves are going to make it into the playoffs this year. I mean, either either as, as a wild card or win the division. Do you think they end up catching the Mets and make it five in a row, or do you see them going in as a wild card team this year? Well, I don't know. I mean, I hate to. I, I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer here. Certainly, the team is capable of doing that. But we know that uh, the Mets are bringing Degrom back on Saturday, and having him and Scherzer back in tow, and. They picked up uh, three players over the week, a uh, little left-handed bat that I think maybe the Braves had their eye on and, and make one. Uh, things like that have just made their lineup deeper and harder to beat. Um, having said that, you know, they we, they were well ahead of us last year, and this team uh, grabbed their socks and just pulled them up and ran over the top of them. I don't think it's going to be that easy this year. I think the higher likelihood is that we're going to get in as the, uh, as the second-place team in the league, but... If we can if we can go out and kick the wet, uh, the Mets butts this weekend uh, and and pull a, pull at least a game back from them, let them know that we haven't gone away, then I think we have a chance of taking the whole thing. But again, a lot of that depends on how we reinforce the uh, reinforce the roster over the next uh, twenty eight hours or twenty six hours or so. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take joining us here on Three and Out. And Fred, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned about uh, Acuna and just. Uh, where he's at uh, right now, because obviously he is one of the franchise players. The, the Braves love him. Do you think you give him the benefit of the doubt? It's like, look, he's going to find it, or do you think there's some other issue, like maybe the, the knee is not where he wants it to be? Where where do you kind of come down on Acuna, and is it just it's a matter of time, or do you have some concern that it, it, it's something else? No, I, I think Ronnie's all right. I, I you know, I watched um, uh, Mark Gross this morning, and he made he made a very good point that yeah you know, we can't we can't say it's his ACL anymore. He's well past the year mark. He's running well. He, he's not. There's nothing that says there's anything wrong with with his base, but it it just looks like he's lost his he's lost his swing plane a little bit. He's just and he's not off by much. You know, we're talking like fractions of an inch off here, and he he's cut, he's hit a couple of balls hard the last. Two or three games. When I was down there, he hit a couple of them really hard with lift on that just didn't quite have the oomph for it. And I, I think he's coming around. And I, I, I boy, it, you know, there could be some, such a thing as he just comes around and wakes up one morning, goes out, goes four for four with two home runs, and we're off and running with him. 
this this is a great ball player. Let's let's not put any, let's not try to hide his light under any bushel. This is a top ten ball player in baseball. He's having a slump. Slumps happen. He's young. We forget how young Ronnie is. He's a young player having a slump. He's never. He's always been the best guy on the field every time he took the field, and this is all new to him. But he's going to be fine. He's going to come out of this, and and hopefully he's going to come out of this for the next week or so and start destroying National League pitching and and making everybody uh, look at the Braves as uh, as people who are going to kick the Mets' butt this year. Fred, how would you utilize uh, Contreras in that? Uh, as you mentioned, the the power's there, the production has been there. Uh, is he a player where? Maybe you use him more prominently moving forward as a DH. Can you can you do that and also be the primary backup catcher? I mean, is there any viability to him playing with any consistency in the outfield? How would you sort of manage uh, uh, him moving forward? Well, I think they tried the outfield experiment. It wasn't, it wasn't awful, but I don't think they want to do that again. I think that you're going to see uh, – I'd like to see him take some more games in defense – it looks to me like Travis is getting a little tired back there. And I'd like to see uh, Contreras, who's a young, strong horse of a guy, get a couple more games back there. Uh, playing him as the DH is a risk because if something happens to Travis behind the plate, then you lose your DH. I suppose they could bring up uh, a, a catcher from the minor leagues in place of uh, uh, well, the, out, the outfielders out there. But I don't. I just don't see that happening. They've been, they used him as the DH over the weekend. I think you're going to see his bat in the, in the lineup more often. The problem we have with the DH is that we're paying Ozuna all that money, and he left his bat in, in, the, in the other house when he moved. He, he just didn't bring it with him this year. He's been hitting uh, bad pitchers and pitchers who throw him cookies. He's been hitting them hard, but as we get towards the postseason, pitchers like that get scarce, and I think you're going to see uh, Contreras get a lot more bats as DH. Uh, along the way, if if he if Ozuna continues to slump. And Fred, with this uh, Braves team, I mean, as far as like in the playoffs, what are they going to have to overcome uh, this year in the playoffs? You, I mean, you got pitching, you got you got an incredible lineup. You all, we all, we, we keep talking about left field. What are they going to have to be able to overcome to go deeper to the playoffs this year? Well, every playoff run requires pitchers to pitch. Okay, our our. Pitchers, uh, uh, Freed's been good. Wright's been good. Strider's been okay. He's been good. Charlie's not been himself. We have to get the starters deeper into the game because the back of our bullpen hasn't been as good. Um, I, we're, I keep hoping that Yates is going to come up and be that guy, but he had a rough outing last night. Uh, I just think you, in, in postseason play, pitching and defense wins. And that to for that for the Braves, that means making left field better and getting our starters on track. If this team hits at all, it's going to be it's going to be hard on everybody else. Now, it looks like if we paired up today, we would if we were in second place and it started today, we'd play the Padres, and we know how much fun that is. So I think that uh, it's just going to come down to our starters pitching and our relievers doing their doing their job as the game gets deeper. That means. Will Smith's got to find it, or we've got to find somebody to pitch for him. Because right now he's he's a mop-up man. He's he's the worst pitcher in the bullpen right now, and that's saying something. And you've got and Kenley's prone to be getting injured here the last few weeks. That makes that makes Minter more 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 important. Dylan Lee has stepped up, but he's not a closer guy. That's why I think we need a, a, a an arm at the back of the bullpen. 
but it's all about pitching in the postseason, pitching in defense, and your your batters have to hit. You can't go into prolonged slumps. You can't have people just going into a deep cold cold spell like Ozuna has been all year and like Ronnie's been off and on most of the summer. You got to be out there to hit, but pitching and defense is the key. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take, joining us here on Three and Out. Fred, before we let you go, I had a question thrown out there to our listeners. Obviously, with the way Austin Riley is playing right now, just had a tremendous month knowing you got the Max Freeds and other guys out there you're going to have to take care of. If you can only keep one, higher priority, Dansby or Austin Riley right now? Well, um, Austin's still got three years of service time. Dansby walks at the end of the year if you don't sign him. You've got to bring Swanson back first. And you've got to bring, you've got to get him under control, uh, and then you, you go look at Riley and try to try to buy out his buy out his contract years. But I don't know. I mean, I I would love to say, okay, let's go get Freed and Riley and Wright and Swanson a contract today. I I'm, I don't think it works that way. Okay, I don't think that the that the Braves can make that kind of choice. Now they're going to have to decide: uh, Are we going to sign Dansby? Uh, we're going to make him the offer. Is he going to take it? If he takes it, yes. If he doesn't, where are we going from there? If we don't sign him, then are we going to use that money to bring in uh, to extend Freed or extend Wright or, or extend Riley? Uh, I think that's where we're at right now. Everything pivots around uh, the Swanson deal, much like it did with the Freeman deal last year, except I don't think it's going to be that difficult to get a deal for Dansby. Uh, or at least I hope it is, and I hope I'm not talking out my ass. But I, it, it's just a question of, of getting Dansby under contract so you have a future, a look at the payroll down the line, and then you can go forward with, with Riley and, and Wright and then Freed. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take, our guest here on 3 and Out. Fred, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Always my pleasure. You guys stay safe. Back on. Will do. Uh, good to have Fred with us here on the program. We'll come back with more 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, and BJ Bennett back with us uh, here on 3 and Out. So we got the full studio, a full house, so to speak. Ben and BJ back together here on 3 and Out. Glad to be back. Missed you guys. Missed you, Kevin. I'm sure you did. We missed all we. We still had our fill-in moments. Oh yeah, we, yeah, we had some. You had where some Ben would play your role, or yeah, I even yeah. had some slips. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin, going to some, uh, Kevin, going to some stats sometimes. I'm like, Kevin, you all right? Well, I just want to go to stats. You know, I want to know, you know, what the QBR rating is. I want you know, as and I think one time he says it's currently constituted. I said, oh, Kevin's into the stats. No, like, like, like no, 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 Kevin, I changed it last month. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you, like. Kevin is doing different stuff. Like I had Kevin to fill said, that role. I, I might have heard Kevin say something about, "Yeah, man, I'll take the double fudge." And then he looked at no, me. No, that, that you never that, heard. That, <laughs> that that would be outrageous. Listen, if somebody catch Kevin uh, Thomas eating a salad, that is not Kevin. Double fudge is definitely not Kevin. It's impossible. But, but Kevin might be coming around on bowl games. But he said he got to get his own bowl game I first. Yeah. AKA in Vegas. Give me my own bowl game, and we're all the no-name bowl game in Vegas. I couldn't have my own bowl game. I did not win the uh, what one point two billion over the weekend. Somebody won it. What, uh, somebody did. Hey, it wasn't Kevin Thomas. I'll tell you that. Well, I know it wasn't Kevin because Kevin's at work today. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the that's how you throw people off. You don't want people up in your bit. You show up after you win the lottery, and then like six weeks down the line, you just disappear. Like what happened? Yeah, he's told us that. Did the missus give you your I, limit? I, did I, the, I wouldn't text you. But call did the miss, you nothing. Yeah, but did the missus give you your lemon cake with the little frog stuff on the top? <laughs> did you get that? I did have lemon cake for my birthday over the week. Yes, I did. Oh, so man. I did have that. 
It's all good. Oh, happy birthday. Late. Very, yeah, a few days. But Very that's late or? I, uh, three days. I think that, that's within the window. <laughs> Did you still say belated at that Did point? Did you get him a gift? You know, I think we know the answer to that. <laughs> we'll come back. Take three around the corner. David Hale talking college, or excuse me, Chris Gordy talking college football coming up in hour number two. And we'll look at David Hale, great piece on what people think about the future of college football. Hour two, we will discuss David Hale's future of college football. He did a survey of 200 folks around college football, talking about the future direction of college football. Some interesting findings in there. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Excuse me. Chris Gordy will join us, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, as camps opening up all across the uh, the Southeastern Conference. He'll join us uh, coming up in about 30 minutes here on the program. But first, fellas, it is 4 o'clock. Let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, take one. Ric Flair. Woo! 73 years old, was still out there doing it. Won his final wrestling match. Of course he did. What do you mean, of course he did? Well, the last time when he had the retirement match, I, I think uh, the Heartbreak Kid gave him some sweet chin music and knocked him out. I, I think it was and, the, and, but, but he wrestled again. His final wrestling match. Of course, he, Ric Flair is going to go out on top. Where does he rank all time, fellas? Wow. Wow. I mean, that, that, that's tough. And how do, you, how do you compile a list like that? We mm-hmm. were going through some of our favorites earlier. And, you know, what is it just the immediacy of think of, you know, think of a wrestler and then these guys come to mind? Is it, you know, you think about Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold no, it's, no, and no, Ultimate no. Warrior, The Rock. No, BJ, you doing you, Undertaker. No, no, me, me and Kevin do, do this on the show sometimes. We don't get starstruck. Cause we, the reason why you don't get starstruck is you're not going to see him. If you saw this person out, would you be compelled enough to say something to him? Yeah, yes. I, I, no, I don't know. It's, it's, it's Ric Flair. I'd be, hold on, hold on. I'd be in awe. This is the thing. Now, this, this is why. Okay. The reason why. Okay. Even, to answer the question, though. Is he the most. Is he. Is he the most iconic one? Uh, you know, Stone Cold is up. The Hulk Hogan, man. I, I, I mean, Hulk Hogan was Thunderlips. On freaking uh, uh, Rocky Three, you know Rocky had to go out okay, there and fight I him. Think, in a... I think Ric Flair's on on every list. He's on the Mount. I think he's right. on the Mount Rushmore. Of, so if you're of talking wrestlers. about is he is he the best? He's on the list. Is I he mean, the greatest? He's on the list. Is he the most iconic? He's on the list. I mean, like you got, if, you yeah. got people walking around going, Woo-hoo! I mean, they don't even know what Wheeling they're dealing. Right? Yeah. They don't even know what they're what 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 who they're referencing. I will say this: is he the, is he the is he is he? I cannot say right now. Yeah. Without hesitation or doubt, that he's number one, and there may be people listening going, "Oh, he's my number one." There's no doubt, and and, yeah. and that's the beauty of, of of creating a list. I think he's on the list. Yeah, I think he's top five. Uh-huh. I think you know, Sting, Andre the Giant. I mean, there there are so many. Yes, but I don't think I can sit here and say today he is the greatest of all time. He's on the list. Yes. in the conversation, right there. But I can't put him number one. I can't put him number one because this Stone. I mean, a Stone Cold. Oh man. Stone Cold, you know, WWF. Stone Cold used to have long blonde hair, right? Came back, bald head, leather, listen, bald head, jean shorts, le- you know, he got, he got his leather vest on, you know, walking pigeon toed, catching two beers. I'm catching two beers out the crowd. You know, I mean, he said, I can turn your lights out right there. You got Stone Cold 316, I mean, giving people the, two, the one finger salute, 
You are not number one. And I'm sorry. Look, as far as like just like just took it to another level, I ain't never seen nothing like The Rock. The Rock, obviously The Rock dad was like incredible as well. But for me, it's always going to be Hulk Hogan because, I mean, I'm just saying Hulk Hogan, you know, he gets to the point to where, you know, no matter how many times you hit him with the leg drop, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm, it's just, and this just lets you know too, Kevin and BJ, listen, back in the day, you were a wrestling fan. That's it. I don't care who you were. Kevin was doing the Radish and Rick Rude dance <laughs> in here. Yeah. So for me, for me, <laughs> for me, listen, love Rick Flair. Rick, Rick Flair to wrestling is what Deion Sanders is. Their brand just, it just keeps going. So brand-wise, it's Rick Flair. But, the man, listen, I'm sorry. Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, and, and, and I got to say this. My favorite wrestler, my favorite wrestler of all time is Bret the Hitman Hart. Love on Hart, but it's Bret the Hitman Hart, man. I mean, Bret the Hitman Hart was in a ladder match, man. It was an hour long. It was a, it was a 60 minute ladder match. It was him and Shawn Michaels. He made the whole 60 minutes, and then he was walking out the cage. They told me, I'm then Vince McMahon walked back and said, "You got to go back." And then Shawn Michaels hit him with some beautiful, uh, hit him with some uh, beautiful chair music, and he and he beat him. And I cried like I said, "Man, that is messed up. You don't do it to Bret." Love you, Ric Flair. But you are not, and, and, and I know, and I know our uh, Twitter feed gonna be lighting up. I, I love Ric Flair, but he's not. When I think of wrestling, I'm sorry, I, I'm gonna think of a couple of names before I get to Ric Flair. Look, I, I think if you're gonna go top five, he's in it. Yes, number one all time. I'm. It's, it's tough because he's got the the legacy, the four horsemen. He's got the uh, you know the figure four. He's got the uh, styling. Probably he's got the persona. He got it. He is definitely up there. I would say top five. I don't. I'm gonna say probably top four. Uh, on my list, I'm debating whether I push him into the top three. But I think number one to me is Stone Cold. I think he came in, had the old persona. He had to catch phrase. He had all that and just kind of had a new way of doing things. He has also the big signature move, the Stone Cold Stunner. Hulk Hogan to me, number two. I mean, what you going to do, brother? Like everybody, what you going to do? Like it's yeah, one of those yeah. things. No, I'm saying, yes. but walk up to anybody yes. that is probably over 20 years old and go, what you going to do, brother? They'll be like, if you've only won, if you only won one yep. bandana in your life, yes. it probably had Hulk Hogan on it. Uh, my number three, I'll go ahead of him. I'll say Undertaker. Come on. I'll put, I'll put Ric Flair at number four, and then, you know, The Rock will be at number yeah, five. Yeah, to this point, I yes, think right. The Rock, The, the Rock is there. Not. He took it to another he, level. Yeah, he's absolutely there. Listen, listen. we was going through the list, the top 25, and we're saying, oh, no, we're looking at the Chris Ben Wise. It's like know, any uh, other top 10 list. You get to 10 I mean, real I mean, quick. Right right I mean, Jake the Snake. I mean, the thing is, and we knew all these guys. Now, I know none of the wrestlers. I know John Zena. That's it. I don't know none of these guys now. So, Hey, man, Ric Flair, man, listen, at age 73, I just want to be moving around. You are wrestling people. So, sir, you have you have defied the laws of gravity. You have beat the hell out of Father Time. But I do not believe that this is your last man. I think he's going to do something else well, for us all. Well, that's down. another question before we get to uh, the end of take three. All right, take two. Per Sportico, the uh, Dallas Cowboys have been named the most valuable franchise across all sports at $7.64 billion. They beat out the Yankees. By $630 million, are the Cowboys really that much bigger of a brand than everybody else? All right, Ben, you've been trying to tell me this for a long time. Because when lists like this come out, you always go, don't care, don't need to see it, it's the Cowboys. And you played in the league, yeah. you played in Dallas. Yes. I know you've had you know friends you played with yes. who were Cowboys fans. Yes. My, 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 my thought, I understand and agree with that, is that the Yankees would have been closer. And mm-hmm. I guess in the context of billions of dollars... 
630 million isn't that far away, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But it's like you're thinking about New York City, the Yankees, the history that goes back, you know, forever. Uh, the, the what? I mean, 20, what, what, 26 championships or yeah. whatever it is for the New York Yankees. I would have, I would have thought, and maybe this is closer than I can mathematically process because the numbers are so big. But I, I, I would think the Yankees are right there. When you think about the New York Yankees and just the logo, the pinstripes, the history, the great players. But to your to your point, every time we've discussed something like sports business, sports value, you always go Dallas, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, and this list proves that. Yes, BJ, because it's the thing. How many championships do the Yankees got? I mean, is it 20? It's like 26. 20, I think 26, how, 27, yeah. Dallas Cowboys, We know. I know they got three. I think that's the only three they got, right? So this ain't about, so this, once again, this is about the biggest brand. Jerry Jones goes, America's hey, team. Yeah, we're America's team. You know, And uh, for those who don't know, the original America's team, the real America's team is the Atlanta Braves. I was going to say. Just check me on that. Anyway, the thing about the Dallas Cowboys is, BJ, is they are taking advantage of the most loved sport in America, and they are America's team. And I don't know how, listen, I mean, you know, uh, was Mr. Stein, was it Steinberg, uh, the uh, owner of the uh, owner of the Yankees? Steinberg? What, Steinbrenner. 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 Sorry, Steinbrenner. The most recognizable owner, not named Michael Jordan, is Jerry Jones. Everybody, everybody, I mean, I just think that when you when your focus is branding, like, BJ, will we care about Dak the way we do if he didn't play for Dallas? No. Will we care about Tony Romo if he didn't play for Dallas? No. That the Dallas Cowboy brand gets on my nerves. I can't stand it. They are the king of wait till next year. They are the biggest wait till next year fans. But as far as branding, yes. It is the Dallas Cowboys. You don't got to like them. The biggest fan base in America is the Dallas Cowboys. My homie, Ben Hall, thought I knew everything about him. Country boy from South Carolina, went to Clemson, goes nowhere. This boy got a plane ticket to go see the Cowboys. And I said, you a Cowboys fan? And he said, and I quote, does anything else exist? Oh, my God. The evil empire of football is the Dallas Cowboys. I don't care what nobody say. It is Dallas. They make me sick, but it is true. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's not even a question uh, that it is the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. They got the big following. You got Jerry World. You got one of the most boisterous owners in all of sports. It's football. It's the NFL. I, I, can re- I know the Yankees would be number two, but, yeah, I wasn't surprised by that. I wasn't surprised by that at all. Mm-hmm. Ain't about Dallas Cowboys. Ain't about championships no more. It mm-hmm. said who's the most valuable, not who hung the most banners. Come on. But they hung the most battles. I'm just saying, it is Dallas. I am giving y'all y'all love. I can't stand. Uh, I can't stand y'all. Get on my nerves. All right, moving along. Take three. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov, uh toward ESPNC's college football playoff format changing before the contract ends in 2025, saying, "I'm really quote, I'm really confident that we're going to expand the college football playoff. It actually wouldn't surprise me once we agree on the format. If it happens before the end of the current term, once you agree the format, why wouldn't you?" End of quote. Will it expand before 2025, and how many teams do you believe it'll be? I think it's hard to say yes with conviction that it's going to expand because there's so much that is yet to happen within the college football landscape. And I'm not I'm not talking about like name, image, likeness. Or I'm, not, I, I'm talking about conference realignment because how do you know what the postseason format is going to look like when you don't know what the infrastructure it represents is going to look like? I mean, are these teams going to wait until the original announcement dates uh, or, or, or the initial uh, dates that were stated before they move conferences. Are you going to see a conference disappear? Are you going to see 
two conferences disappear? Are you going to see? And keep in mind, when we talk about conference realignment, uh, you know, oftentimes we focus on the Power Five. But let's not forget, a group of five team was just in the playoff. So could the group of five uh, have some sort of conference merging with uh, who knows who involved? What happens with Notre Dame? I think these questions have to be answered before you can answer when is the playoff going to expand and how many teams are going to be in it because to move the playoff or change the playoff before the landscape is settled to me means that you're going to have to change the playoff again. So any contract that you sign or anything that you negotiate or kind of put on paper is going to have to be written with a pencil and not pen because we've seen all kind of stuff. I mean, what? A couple of months ago, if you just said, hey, uh, you know, the Pac-12, all the teams you know out there, like the only teams you know, they're coming to the Big Ten. Hey, the ACC, the teams that matter, they're now being rumored about going to the SEC. Maybe the Big Ten. I mean, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a Big 12 in three years? Is there going to be an ACC as we know it in three years? Is there going to be a Pac-12? I mean, this is the commissioner of the Pac-12. Who's going to be in the Pac-12 in three years? So because of that, I think this will be briefly on hold, but it is clear inevitable change is coming. We will not have a four-team college football playoff for long. There is going to be a massive restructuring of the postseason format that is undoubtedly on the horizon, but the conference realignment mess has to get settled before that happens. It's going to be 0% chance it's going to be a college football playoff expansion uh, before uh, the contract goes up because you do not want to, uh, you know, uh, tee off Mr. Greg Sankey. You don't want to do that because he's already gone. He's already gone to the college, playoff, college football playoff committee and said we want to go to eight. If they do something, if they, they're trying to do something now, no, it's not going to happen. You don't, it doesn't need to. I do think conference realignment is going to, you know, uh, happen before that. But as far as like change, mm-mm. The reason why is this. If the SEC is getting four, I mean, they're getting two with four, they go to six. What, they gonna, what they're going to get three? No, leave it alone right now because – it, it, it's kind of show because it kind of shown the other conferences. Hey man, we got to kind of show what what we gonna look like. Cause Kevin, we talked no. about this as well. No matter what happens after after twenty twenty five, the SEC is going to have a lot of teams in there. You might as well put that in your mind. Oh no! But, I, but in order for you to have at least two from your conference, you might want to get that. But as far as like you, you have no reason to do it now. Like what? I I just know this though. <clears throat> Uh, if you think that USC and UCLA are coming over to the Big Ten and and Texas and Oklahoma are gonna wait another four years, uh, then uh, that's not. But happening. it's not just that though. It's it's and 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 who knows? But I mean, Oregon, Washington, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, Georgia Tech, uh, Oklahoma State. I mean, there are countless teams out there mm-hmm. that there's all kind of speculation about. Yeah, but BJ, think about this though. <clears throat> there's a difference to somebody calling you for your services and you calling them to be a part of what they got. Only team that has been called is Notre Dame. And they said no. Right? Now, UW and Oregon called the Big Ten. They're like, uh, we'll wait. So, I, I do think, I, and the SEC has, quote, said they are good at 16. And the greatest person I hired, hired to go seek you've ever seen is Greg Sankey. Nothing leaks. Nothing, nothing that. But I, I, don't, I just don't see them uh, switching anything up. Because what's the purpose of having a contract if you're going to just switch things up before it ends? I think they're going to stick through uh, 2025. But I do think conference realignment yeah. will definitely be, you know, uh, we, we'll definitely know how the conference is going to stack up by 2025. Uh, I mean, I, I, they're not, it's not going to move until the realignment gets sorted out. 
But I think uh, the one quote you left off of here out of this question was from Greg Sankey, and they said, <laughs> you're going to take a playoff advice from who? They can't even get a team in. Talk about it. The Pats, so, well, I mean, and I think, again, this is this is a situation where Greg Sankey thought he had consensus to move towards a 12-team f- format already. Remember? Back in the uh, early part, it's like, oh, a lot of talk about it going to 12-team. Greg Sankey was the one working that thing. And then everybody backed out on him, and he was ticked. About his, he's like, look, I'm trying to do y'all the favor. We need this for college football. I'm also trying to help you out. And right now, I don't think the Pac-12 commissioner needs to be weighing in on the playoff. I think he needs to be weighing in on, bro, are you going to be around by the time it gets to 2025? Mm-hmm. Because You know who's calling your phone? San Diego State. Boise, you know whose phone is calling the Big 12? Arizona, Arizona State. Cal and Stanford are praying and hoping somebody calls their phone. And Oregon and Washington, you know, already won out. Your conference is teetering. Stop talking about the playoffs, George. I I, I, I think it will, but it's not going to be until Oklahoma, Texas move. And Greg Sankey has said as much. Now he's like, well, we're not going to renegotiate till we know what our conference format is and all that. But you're right. I think it should get bigger. I think the number to me is eight. But I think a lot of people are talking 12 to get more teams in, keep more interest, and obviously make more money if you're the <laughs> the SEC and the Big Ten right now. With bigger conferences means you're probably going to get more teams in at the end of the day. That's take three. We do it every day. This time some interesting findings from David Hale, uh, who's surveyed around college football about the future of the sport. We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, and BJ Bennett is back with us. Good to have you back, uh, BJ. As the uh, college football season right around the corner, David Hale, very uh, good article column, uh, a piece on college football and where it's going. Did a survey with what two hundred folks around college football about where the game is going. This is an interesting piece about, you know, parody, bowl games, college football playoffs, and all that. People talk about, oh, the SEC just wins all the time. Of those surveyed, 6% said the sport has become too regional. 45% said lack of elite football played in the Northeast and the West Coast wasn't an impediment to the game's help. So the fact that the the Pacific Coast has been absent on the national scene when it comes playoff time. And I think that's unfair just to say, I mean, Utah was very good last year. You've seen Oregon have some very good teams. But in the playoffs, they have not been a contender. But only only 6% said it's too regional. And that's and, and of that, 45% said, look, it's not a problem that the Northeast and Pacific Coast aren't competing right now. Yeah, and that's a sampling. Uh, of the feature interviewed uh, 200 uh, athletes, coaches, and administrators, and and I think when you hear that, because you hear a lot of the time, oh, college football is too centric, you know, with the focus on the Deep South. Well, this 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 research shows that that the people interviewed don't feel like that's a problem. I also found this to be interesting uh, in terms of expansion. What we were just talking about, about, and this is from the uh, piece on ESPN.com, about a third favored the format that was put forth last year that would include twelve teams with six auto bids for conference champions. And then it said another one-third of respondents said they preferred an eight-team model. 
And then uh, other responses included a 16-team playoff, a 12-team model without auto bids, a 32-team tournament, and a few votes for returning to the BCS two-team model. So I think when you – and this is, again, 200 sure. – a sampling of 200 people. That's a pretty large group of, of, of players, coaches, administrators. There, there, there may not be, for as much as we say, oh, the playoff's going to do this, the playoff's going to do that, this is what's going to happen – there may not be as much as a common consensus as to what the right path is, as maybe we all think. And and, I, and then, uh, it also goes to show that big time football is, is uh, really dependent upon where you are in the country. Just because of, just because most of the national, I mean, just because most of the national championships are coming from a certain part of the country, doesn't mean that people don't think that you know they just want to be, they just want to have an opportunity to be in the playoffs. Meaning, no, we just want to have an opportunity to get in. Right now, there is no opportunity to get in. If that's the case. UC, USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten wouldn't be a big deal if they weren't big-time football. So I do, and that's, and that's why it's good to always get the post of the people that actually do it because most of the noise comes from the people who report on it. They're not the ones who are doing it. And I, and I just know that, but at the same time, it may be a very, very small percentage that think that's not worrying about the fact that, you know, uh, the national championships are coming from one part of the country. <laughs> that, is going to, that is going to continue to happen because – if the, if the West Coast teams are trying, to, are trying to come more to the East to be seen, because the visibility is, they think, is what they think they lacking, I would I test, test this out after 2025 when you got conference realignment because sometimes you want representation of your conference just to either, even give you the illusion that we got a shot to win this thing. Yeah, look, I, I think when you look at all the different – I mean, this is as varied on 8, 12, 16 as it is with everybody else around the uh, – the, the country when it comes to college football. I just think, uh, again, when you look at the narrative of, well, the SEC wins all the time, and so, therefore, you know, ACC fans are mad. And I think the game of college football is bigger than, and that's what you have talked about a lot, BJ, is, look, yeah, everybody wants to win the national championship, but the level of football played in the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big 10, it's good. Competing for a conference championship is difficult. Like, they don't just, it does, it's not just Clemson. Win. If that was that easy, Clemson would have won it last year, and they didn't. You saw great football out of the ACC, despite the fact that they didn't quite have a team good enough to qualify for the four-team college football playoff. So I think when you look at people involved in the sport, I think that's how they see it more than just, yeah, the SEC's winning a lot of it, but the sport of college football is healthy because we have a number of teams that are competing at a high level, are in the top 10, top 15, and winning conference championships, and that will eventually, hopefully, get us somewhere when when the format is uh, is, is or the the year is right or what have you. I mean, people said the same thing about the BCS. Oh, it's the math; it's going to mess it up. You know, we had a great team, we just couldn't get there because of the math. And now I think it's the same way with the fourteen playoff. Is you can have a great team, but look, there's five power conferences and Notre Dame, and four spots. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to get, and the SEC is taking two of those. Somebody's going to get left out. So the access level, even for the Power Five, hasn't been there to get teams in. And in terms of the math, I mean, Ben, we were talking about this team the other day. I mean, that, that system clearly wasn't working. Ask Auburn. You go undefeated in the SEC, and you don't get a chance to play for the national championship, aside from all the split national championships and all that stuff, you know, with the voting. But I, I think that, that there's, there's good football everywhere. And, look, of course, you have your teams that are dominating. Uh, there is not... I don't think the top level of parity that there's been throughout other eras of college football, but you still have great football. I mean, Ben, you've also talked about, I believe, Florida's opening game is Utah. And 
that's one of the games that a lot of people are really excited about because not only is it a great litmus test for Billy Napier and the Gators and where they are, but Utah feels like they're a playoff team this year. Yeah. Utah feels like you you beat Florida and then you have, you know, maybe a win over SC. I mean, you're talking about some high-profile wins, mm-hmm. and they could be in the playoff, and they feel like they can compete for a national championship. Now, I'm not going to tell them they can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen Cincinnati make history, I think, change the conversation. So there, th- this, this piece by David Hale is really fascinating, great information. Uh, but I think there are a lot of really good teams out there. I think there are a lot of moving parts right now in college football. And, Ben, you make a great point about – Maybe there's this gravitational pull to the you know to the Big Ten to the SEC. How does that affect things? How does that affect perception? But I'm telling you, Oregon feels like they're going to be very good. Uh, uh, SC SC is one of the betting favorites to make the college football playoff. Now again, you're talking about a program that's not going to be in the Pac-12 soon. But SC, it's about as far west as you can go, is one of the favorites to make the college football playoff. And they're going to be really, really good. So keep an eye on these teams this season. I just think that, I mean, yeah, look at what you just said about Utah playing Florida, saying if they beat Florida, which means they need Florida. When you think about some of these conferences, you don't, most teams, most, a conference like the SEC only needs the SEC to get in. Clemson needs to win the ACC to get in. If you need other teams to boost your resume to help you get in, that's a problem. Notre Dame said, look, man, the strength of who we are as a brand and who we play is enough. You don't believe we help? Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. They got in last year. What, what, what this shows is if I don't get enough help from who I, who I play with, I need help from outside. If that's the case, USC and UCLA, they would still want to be in the Pac-12. They know I don't want to be here. And because we don't see it coming to the West Coast, we got to go to the East Coast. We'll see what happens, but I do like uh, polling these uh, players and coaches. We'll talk more about this. A very in-depth article uh, there by David Hale about the future of college football. We'll get to that more Coming up in the final hour, Chris Gordy waiting in the wings, locked on SEC podcast. We're talking SEC football next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, also ESPNCoastal.com. And you can catch the show on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well. Go to ESPN Coastal uh, on YouTube and you can follow the show along as well. We are into the month of August, which means college football is coming up this month. Uh, just coming fresh off of SEC Media Days. Now, practice is opening up. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joins us here on 3 and Out. Chris, welcome. How are you? Doing good, guys. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's uh, I'm walking around outside. It's like 110 degrees outside. So, yeah, that means it's time for football. It'll cool off sometime by December. But, man, coming out of the SEC Media Days, now practices open should be a lot of excitement about the quarterback play in the SEC. Which quarterback situation I guess, excites you the most uh, here in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see a couple of these quarterback battles still play out. I think uh, the LSU one is a very unique one. You know, I, I think ultimately Miles Brennan is going to win that job. Obviously, he's a six-year senior, been there a while. Uh, but Jaden Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State, has started a lot of games, and he's got a lot of football experience. And so, ultimately, if he wins out, I think that that's very intriguing. But I still think there's a role for both guys. Even if Miles Brennan starts, I think they're going to have packages for uh, Jaden Daniels to play still. So that's an intriguing one. The A&M one is very intriguing. Obviously, you know, Haynes King won the job last year, and he's a dual-threat quarterback who, who can use his legs to move the chains. But obviously, Max Johnson played a lot of games for LSU last year, and 
you know, through the game winner against A&M. And, you know, he's, he's got a lot of experience as well. So, uh, and then the Auburn one is interesting. T.J. Finley uh, has a handful of games under his belt. Zach Calzada beat Alabama for A&M last year. So those are the ones I'm really intrigued by. Chris, of course, a storybook year for Georgia last year. Stetson Bennett as well, uh, individually with the national championship, top five in the country in, 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 in passer rating. What are your expectations for Stetson Bennett this season? Yeah, I mean, I've come around a little bit more in Stetson. You know, I know a lot of people still view him as, you know, kind of a game manager type guy. But, you know, he, he showed down the stretch of last season and particularly that championship game that, you know, he can make the big plays. And I was wild by Stetson in the, in the spring game. I thought he looked as comfortable as he's ever looked. Um, adding the dynamic of Eric Gilbert with another weapon to throw the ball to. So, I, uh, I'm really optimistic on Stetson Bennett. Again, I, I'm, I was shocked being at SEC media days and putting, people putting out there, you know, here's my top five SEC quarterbacks heading into the season, and Stetson Bennett's not on the list. I'm like, what, guys, what are we doing? Like, how many times are we going to keep disrespecting this kid and counting him out only for him to prove us all wrong? So, yeah, I think Stetson's poised for a, uh, for a monster year, particularly with all those weapons he has back. A lot of big-time quarterbacks coming back this year in the SEC. None bigger than a guy who, you know, you know what you know what type of talent he has. That's up there in Columbia. Spencer Riley wasn't at SEC Media Days. I mean, big-time talent a couple of years ago coming out. Some had him number one recruit in some publications. How do you see him fitting in the SEC? And what type of what type, what what style of offense do you think they can have with a guy with that type of uh, that type of talent? Well, the one thing when I talked to him at the Manning Crossing Academy a few weeks ago was that. You know, he pointed out to me that they didn't have their full complement of guys throughout the spring. He said there were guys still, you know, who were coming back from injury. There were guys who were dealing with, you know, coming into the transfer portal who weren't acclimated yet. And he said, we just, we just weren't all on the same page yet. He said, now that we get ready for fall camp, we're going to have our guys ready and we're going to start to gel and develop that chemistry. Uh, obviously, he brings a tight end with him from, uh, from Oklahoma, but I like Josh Van. He, was kind of that go-to target last year. They have D.K. Joyner, who obviously was a big-time quarterback who transitioned to wide receiver and then transitioned back to quarterback to win them the Dukes Mayo Bowl. But I think they have some weapons, man. It's just about getting them all together and, and cohesive, uh, you know, getting that cohesion together. But, yeah, I think uh, it's everybody's all over the board on, on South Carolina this year. You like Shane Beamer. He seems like a really cool guy, but man, like if you told me they were only going to win seven games this year, I would say, okay, I get it. And if you told me that, man, they're going to be spoiler and they're going to play, you know, win nine, maybe 10 games to get to a, a New Year's six bowl, I could absolutely see that. So uh, to me, it's all about the defense. How quickly can the defense go? But uh, Rattler also told me that, that the run game is very underrated there. And as we know, I mean, we had, uh, was it Kevin Harris who led the SEC in rushing just two years ago and. I, I think uh, they're going to try to run the football and, and balance that attack. But, yeah, no doubt. I mean, for a guy who was the Heisman favorite literally a year ago at this time, um, not, a lot, not enough people are talking about him. Chris Gordy, Locked on SEC Podcast, joining us here on 3 and Out. Uh, Chris, we see this a lot of times with, I don't want to, maybe it's disrespectful calling it gimmicky, but uh, uh, when you see kind of a new offense, a different offense that nobody really runs, People say, hey, year two, we've had a chance to see 19-11 games, how different people try to defend it. We're going to get a second crack at it. Do you feel like there will be a big adjustment to Tennessee in year two, or do you feel like that thing offensively is just going to be on point? It's can they stop anybody? Yeah, I think the offense is going to be just fine. I mean, the Heupel system has worked 
you know, multiple year, consecutive years at UCF, and, you know, we saw it work in year one at Tennessee. I think it's going to work in year two at Tennessee because I think Endon Hooker is that good. I just wonder about that defense. I think they're going to have to win a lot of shootouts. If you remember that game against Kentucky last year, it was basically last man with the ball wins the game. Uh, I think Tennessee is going to find themselves in a lot of type of games like that this year. I just I have some big questions with that, with that, uh, with that secondary. I like Trey Flowers, but, man, I need four Trey Flowers if I'm going to win some games this year at Tennessee. So, um, yeah, I would expect – I expect that offense to work. I expect they're going to put up a ton of points. You know, my thing is with Hendon Hooker, he wasn't even the starter week one. What's he going to do with a full season as a starter, you know, with, with all the touchdowns he threw last year and only, what was it, three interceptions? So, I think he can get better. But, man, I just wonder what does that do for Tennessee's win total if the defense isn't up to par and you're losing games, you know, 41-38. I guess, Chris, a follow-up uh, to those last two questions. I mean, how do you see the East after Georgia with Florida, Billy Napier coming in, Tennessee? Again, defensive questions, uh, some unknowns at South Carolina. Kentucky brings a good bit back. How do you see the East after the dogs? Yeah, I think it's Tennessee. Uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, Kentucky. Um, I, I just really like Will Levis. I think he is that dude. Uh, you know, I've been making comparisons to him to, to Joe Burrow. I don't think he's going to have what Joe Burrow did, but I think he's going to have that kind of rise where, you know, he's a transfer. We saw him, uh, you know, one year in the SEC, and we're like, okay, that's pretty good. And then he took that meteor jump his senior year. I think we're going to see that with, with Will Levis this year at, uh, at Kentucky. The big one is week two at Florida. If they can win that one, man, they're going to be rolling along pretty well. They get a road trip to Ole Miss, not an easy place to play, but a winnable game. Then they come home for South Carolina, Mississippi State. And then Halloween weekend, the big uh, trip out to Knoxville to play at Tennessee. I think there's a good chance that Kentucky is undefeated going into that ha- Halloween weekend game in Knoxville. And, uh, and that'll be a big one to determine where they finish in the rank of the SEC East. But I really think Kentucky is that type of team that can do, you know, kind of like Ole Miss was last year. Go 10-2, and two, um, get to a New Year's Six Bowl, and feel really good about yourselves. I don't think they'll beat Georgia, but... I think Kentucky's got a real opportunity to, uh, to finish number two in the East and, uh, you know, and, and really start to improve on what Mark Stoops has built there, man, because it feels like they've gotten better and better every year. It's just, you know, when's he going to take that next step? What's, what's more he can do? And, Chris, that being said, when you look at the West, I mean, I know you got Kentucky uh, being that clear-cut number two uh, in the East. Who's going to be your clear-cut number two in the West? I, I, I want to say Arkansas, guys, because I like K.J. Jefferson. I think he can take that next leap this year. Um, I like Sam Pittman. He's gotten better and better every year that he's been there at Arkansas, and those fans have something to root about, man. I mean, they beat Texas last year, and they get a big uh, you know, non-conference opener against Cincinnati this year. But I just look at the rest of that schedule, and it's, it's absolutely brutal. You, know, you get the neutral field game against A&M. You get Alabama early in the season in your house. But then you got road trips to Mississippi State, Auburn. Uh, you know, they have to play LSU and Ole Miss on the back end. And then their non-conference, they have a random, you know, mid-October road trip out to BYU, which is a tough place to play. They get Liberty, who I know they lost Malik Willis, but that's still a pretty tough non-conference game. So I'd love to say Arkansas, but, man, I just think that that schedule is going to be absolutely brutal for them to weather the storm. Uh, Ole Miss has so many question marks, right? They brought in all these different pieces through the transfer portal, um, you know, we don't even know who their quarterback is. Is it Jackson Dart? Is it Luke Altmaier? But look at Ole Miss's schedule. It sets up so brilliantly for them. And, you know, if you go through it just, just week by week, 
um, you know, and with no inherent bias, and you just say, is that a win or a loss? I think you can easily look at Ole Miss and go, man, that's, that's nine, maybe ten wins right there. And so I think Ole Miss has a real opportunity. I know everybody's expecting them to take a step back this year because of Matt Corral uh, gone, Snoop Connor, Jerry Neely, all those guys are gone. But I think you can make a realistic expectation if these transfers come in and click, Ole Miss could finish second in the West just because of how easy their schedule is this year. Chris Gordy joining us here on 3 Now. And, Chris, you mentioned Kentucky, too. Can't beat Georgia, you don't think. And, uh, obviously, everybody thinks Alabama uh, is going to win the West. We saw that overwhelmingly play out by the media uh, at SEC Media Days. Who, in your mind, is built to beat Georgia or Alabama? Obviously, uh, people would say Texas A&M. Most people maybe pick them third in the West. Who is a team that is built to beat Bama or Georgia? Not saying they can win the division, but could beat Bama or Georgia. Well, A&M can compete in the trenches. That's the big thing. If you're going to beat a Georgia or an Alabama, you've got to be able to rough them up on the offensive and defensive line and go toe-to-toe with them. And I think a and is going to have that this year. I think they're going to have the best defensive line they've had in the Jimbo Fisher era. I just wonder about quarterback. As we know, if you're going to pull off the big upset over those teams, you got to have a stud at quarterback. And A&M may end up having that. I mean, if it ends up being Haynes King, look, I was a big fan of Haynes going into last season. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, dual threat guy that, you know, can, can take that next step in his development. And he's got some big weapons. I think it's Evan Stewart, their freshman wide receiver, was turning heads throughout the spring. I think he's poised for a big year. Uh, Anaya Smith sounds like he's put his legal stuff behind him. And, you know, he's going to be just fine. But, you know, you got to have that elite quarterback play. So I would say A&M, but, man, you telling me going into Tuscaloosa that Nick Saban's not going to want to go stick it to Jimbo after their offseason tit for tat? Uh, you know, it's just hard for me to see A&M pulling off the upset on Bama two years in a row, uh, particularly with some questions at the quarterback spot. So, you know, I would say A&M can, go, can hang with them. And, you know, with Georgia in the East, again, I think Tennessee and, and Kentucky are their two biggest contenders. But, man, it's just it's hard for me to see right now through the weeds, barring, you know, catastrophic injury to Bryce Young or Stetson Bennett or something like that. It's hard for me to for any envision uh, you know, neither Alabama or Georgia being there in Atlanta come December. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast, our guest here on 3 Now. Chris, appreciate it. Thanks much. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, I encourage your listeners to go check out LockedOnSEC.com. Great interview with Tony Barnhart up there. Mr. College Football today, great insight. Chris Gordy, I uh, appreciate him joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back. Much more to come. Colin Lacey, Georgia Southern Sports Network, will join us as the Eagles set to start fall practice uh, tomorrow. He'll join us top of next hour. When we come back, we found one of the copies of Uncommon Unfinished. The Ben Troop story. We'll give that away when we come back. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, and BJ Bennett back with us. Good to have you back in studio, BJ. Making glad, it three and out glad once to be again. Back. Yep, yep. I had to step away and uh, deal with some health problems, and uh, glad to be back with you guys. Missed you guys, and uh, uh, glad to be back spending my afternoons with you and our listeners. Season formed already, uh, Kevin. I mean, I, we, you know, we, I know I'm, I'm always waiting on the BJ to step in and say, well, that's not accurate what you just said. <laughs> or that's not. But at the end of the day, man, we happy to yeah. be back uh, healthy. I mean, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, holding on the fort when you was gone, obviously it wasn't the same when you wasn't here. Always great to have you back, man. I'm just waiting on when it comes to the season, we got to pick the games, and I get the I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to go with this yep. squad. That's, that's coming right around the corner. Uh, we got a lot coming up in the final hour. Colin Lacey. Georgia Southern Sports Network will join us as the Eagles back at it starting tomorrow. David Hale, wonderful piece 
on the future of college football, where he surveyed 200 or so uh, admins and others around college football. We'll talk about uh, that as well. Before we get out of here uh, for hour two, we have found a copy of Ben Troops, Uncommon and Unfinished. Great gift, great prize. If you would like a copy, call our number four right now, 912-342-7184, 912-342-7184. Get a signed copy, Uncommon, Unfinished, the Ben Troop story. Be caller number four right now, 912-342-7184, and you will win that copy of Uncommon and Unfinished. We are coming right back, hour three, right around the corner, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Hour three. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad to have BJ back with us here on the show. College football back as well as teams this week all across college football start to head back to fall practice. And that's no different right there in Statesboro as Georgia Southern heads back to uh, to practice on the banks of beautiful uh, Eagle Creek. And uh, Colin Lacey, Georgia Southern Radio Network, joins us here on 3 and Out. Colin, welcome. How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? Hey, we're doing fantastic, and now is when uh, the fun part begins, right? Clay Helton comes in, kind of watches the last part of last season, gets a jump on recruiting, gets to recruit, says he's going to bring in the exciting, exciting style of offense, goes through the spring, but now is when you know it starts to count for real. Fall practice, the countdown to game number one. What's kind of the uh, the temperature there in Statesboro? I know it's hot, but I mean, what's the temperature around uh, Clay Helton here? As you know, we are now weeks away from getting this thing started officially. You know, we've talked about it ever really since Clay Helton was announced as the head football coach here at Georgia Southern that there may be more excitement around this football program than there's been in a long time. People have said there hadn't been this much excitement around this program since they restarted in the early 80s. So when you've got so much changes going on around Georgia Southern football, there's a lot of kind of uncertainty of what it's going to look like. But there's so much excitement around what Coach Helton and his staff have already done. And the fact of the staff that Coach Helton got to Statesboro, there's a lot of all-stars on this staff that you're going to see. Coach Helton even talked about it at Sunbelt Conference Media Day. A lot of folks asked him about Ryan Applin, who was a longtime quarterback at Arkansas State, coached a little bit at Arkansas State as well. And people are already saying that Coach Applin at one time in his career is going to be the head coach at Arkansas State. That's how much he means to the Sunbelt Conference. And so you've got people like that that not only know the game of football, but you know this league, you know the geography around southeast Georgia and the southeast United States where everybody knows, especially you guys down there, how much of a hotbed uh, high school football is in the recruiting of it. What are the big priorities for Coach Helton and the staff here in the, here in the fall? Obviously you have spring to implement things, but a really challenging and exciting schedule upcoming. What does Coach Helton hope to accomplish here in fall camp? I think the biggest thing is on paper you have filled a lot of voids and he talked about it at Sunboat Conference Media Day last week that one of the biggest things that he wanted to attack this offseason was bringing in defensive backs and wide receivers and he's done that through the transfer portal and through just high school recruiting as well and so on paper you have filled those voids now it's time to see what those voids look like when you put pads on them and they start playing Georgia Southern football Everything that came out of spring practice for the folks that were able to get in early, everything looks great in those two areas of things. And so being able to see what it looks like as you get closer and closer to that kickoff against Morgan State. Brian Ellis comes over from Western Kentucky. You see the type of the record-setting offense they, 
They've had the last three seasons comes to a place like Georgia Southern. How fast can you implement an up-tempo offense that wants to throw the football around it, as you mentioned, bringing in wide receivers from the high school as well as the transfer portal? How fast should we expect this offense to get going uh, with the season vastly approaching? I think you're going to see it start going a lot faster than people expect. Everybody talks about trying to bring in a completely new system, which it is, completely new personnel, which it is. But just the growth that you saw from when the staff got here after the conclusion of last season all the way through spring ball and you got to the spring game like a couple of months ago now, when you look at the growth that was there, everybody was blown away with what Georgia Southern football offensively was able to do. And it put a lot of people's minds at ease. I don't know that anybody in the football operations building mind was at ease. But from the fan, from the outside looking in, everybody was like, man, this is completely different from what we were expecting, but it's a lot better than we were expecting in most places. And so being able to see that growth really gives you kind of the light into what the growth is going to be. And this staff has been really cognizant of there's a huge learning curve. Kyle Van Treese last week at Sunbelt Media Days down in New Orleans was talking about just the terminology. Everything was different than what he was accustomed to up at Buffalo last year. But when you put a lot of football guys in the same room, Eventually, they're going to be talking the same language, and I don't think it's going to take too long for these folks to start reading off the same page. I think it's going to be a lot faster than people kind of anticipate. Uh, Kyle Ventrice, uh, Colin, I'm assuming, has got it locked up as the starter. Uh, at this point, Who who's he getting the ball to? Who are the weapons? And how wide open, uh, especially with J.D. King, I guess, announcing that he is no longer going to play football, how, how wide open are the running back and wide receiver positions on this squad? I think running back is a little bit more, I'm not going to say narrowed down, because Georgia Southern historically has used three, four, even five deep sometimes at running back. But you've got guys like Gerald Green and Jalen White. Gerald Green people have seen a lot more of. Jalen White kind of burst on the scene towards the tail end of last year. And then you've got guys like Amari Jones who kind of floated between that slot, wide receiver, running back, the last offense. He is now a wide receiver on the roster. And you've got different guys like a Matthew Daniel coming in, transferring in from West Virginia. There's so many different options, and no pun intended, but so many different options in the wide receiver room that you didn't have last year if you were Georgia Southern. And so there's a lot of different weapons that you can go to, and a lot of them, like we talked about, being in that transfer portal. You look at a guy like T.J. Lewis from down there in Brunswick, transferring in from Louisville, coming back home, quote-unquote, to Georgia Southern, being able to do that. And so a lot of different weapons that uh, Kyle Van Trees and – Coach Helton was pretty open about it last week at Media Day that, yeah, Kyle Van Treese right now is the starter for Georgia Southern in the backfield, but he goes about it in a little bit different way than most that in life you have to fight for the next 24 hours. And so that's the way this football team is going to be. There's a depth chart that will come out every Friday, and that's what they're going to roll with for Saturday. It may not be the exact same, and there's going to be a lot of fluidity in it, especially the first couple of weeks but you have to earn your job and keep earning your job throughout the season. It's an open competition pretty much throughout. And everybody's intrigued and excited to see the offense. I mean, from a balance standpoint, Colin, is is the goal to be 50-50? I mean, could we see a Georgia Southern offense that wants to throw the ball more than it runs the ball? Or, or will Georgia Southern still be, I guess, run heavy, quote-unquote? What's kind of the identity goal uh, here for Georgia Southern's offense this fall? I think you're still going to see 
a quote-unquote, as far as numbers go, run-heavy offense, but not nearly as heavy as it has been in the past. I think the new definition of run-heavy would be more of a 60-40 run pass, and I think that's probably what you're going to look at this year. I think ideally you'd like to see those numbers on the passing side if you're Coach Helton and Coach Brian Ellis, the offensive coordinator. I think you're going to see those passing numbers increase throughout the year and going into year two, year three. I think you may eventually see a number where the passing outweighs the running, but that's again, years down the road and you've got to deal with what personnel you have. But right now I think you're still going to be a run-first type of team and being able to try to get the hard yards on the ground. And, again, it goes back to the personnel you have. When you've got guys like Gerald Green and Jalen White, guys like that in the backfield, you can't not get them the football. And so you've got to be able to do what you do with the people you have. You look at this schedule this year. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be an uphill battle no matter you know every single week. When you look at what the Sun Belt already had with the new members, Georgia Southern plays all three new members this year. What a real what a realistic expectation for this team this year, especially with a Sun Belt that's super duper loaded. Yeah, I mean it's it's a bear of the schedule, and I think you're going to see that going forward with the Sun Belt Conference, like you mentioned, adding the four new Georgia Southern players, three on the East, and so. Even a game like UAB, that's a scary, tough game for Georgia Southern. It's a UAB program ever since coming back from not having a program a couple of years ago. They've been one of the top teams in the Southeast, kind of fly under the radar. Brand-new stadium over there in Birmingham, and Georgia Southern will have to go on the road back-to-back weeks in Nebraska and turn around and go to Birmingham to be able to take on that UAB team. So, I mean, the non-conference, you get what you get with Morgan State. Everybody kind of knows what that is for. Then you go on the road to Nebraska, and I think that's going to be the first time you're like, okay, this is what this team really is at this point in the season. And still very early. But then first Sunbelt Conference game up, you have to go to Coastal Carolina, who has kind of held their own at the top of that conference, in the Eastern Division especially, for the last couple of years. And so at Coastal Carolina, at Georgia State, your first two conference games, and those are two games that four or five years ago, you're thinking, okay, start out with – State, Coastal Carolina, that's a good way to ease into the Sunbelt Conference. That's not how it is anymore. Coastal Carolina, one of the top teams like we talked about in the league, and then Georgia State has grown dramatically over the last probably year, year and a half, one of the tougher teams in the league, especially playing up there at Turner Field in Atlanta. And then you have James Madison come at home. You have to go to Old Dominion. And then at some point later on in the season, a Thursday night, you head down to Acadiana to take on Louisiana. And I think you're going to figure out more of what – Louisiana is in 2020 now that Billy Napier is down at Gainesville in Florida. And so what does this new Louisiana offense kind of look like? Colin, you see this conference week in and week out uh, throughout your travels there with Georgia Southern. I mean, does the average, I guess, kind of fan understand what what's lining up with the Sun Belt uh, each and every week in terms of competition? And do you think uh, this is a year where maybe the, the Sun Belt makes a run and say, hey, I know there's a P5 and G5, but we're sitting there at the top of that, that, that G5 group. You know, that was a big topic of conversation last week in New Orleans with Media Day, that with the addition of James Madison, Old Dominion, Marshall, and Southern Miss, you're adding four teams that not only fit your geographic footprint and really help the league overall in every sport, but from a football standpoint, the Sun Belt comes out smelling like roses in the latest round of realignment and Everybody knows, Lord knows what CAA and E5, G5, what all that's going to look like in the next year or two. But for right now, 
Sunbelt Conference is set up really well. You saw a lot of teams trying to jump ship out of other conferences. The thing with the Sunbelt, they were looking to add teams. It wasn't teams that were looking to leave the Sunbelt Conference. It was teams that were trying to get into the Sunbelt Conference. And so being able to have that stance of it is not necessarily what you've had the last few years. And so being able to have that stance has been really good for the Sunbelt. And I think that week in and week out, you're in for really good football, no matter who's coming in or who's going where. Colin Lacey, Georgia Southern Radio Network, joining us here on 3 and Out. Eagles back at it tomorrow afternoon there in Statesboro for fall practice. Colin, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. And uh, the, the Clay Helton era really jumps back into the fold starting on the fall practice. To me, that's when it starts getting real. Uh, BJ, Ben, you can say, hey, he was there late in the season, got to recruit, got to go through spring practice. Now that the count, actual countdown to the season's on, I think now you're starting to see, okay, it's Clay Helton coming from Southern Cal. Tough Sunbelt Conference. What can you do in year number one? Kyle Ventries, you've utilized the transfer portal a lot. Is this a team that could surprise given better coaching? Maybe some transfers that come right in and play right away. Is this a team that maybe surprises some folks in 2021? Well, I think or every, 2022. I, I mean, yeah, you know yeah, I think I, I think every week in the Sun Belt, I think Colin's exactly right. This 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 conference is is really good. And and, and that includes Georgia Southern. And you're gonna see that play itself out throughout non conference matchups this fall, where you're gonna see another Sun Belt team beat not only big time uh, group of five teams, but beat a couple of power five teams. It's gonna happen. The Sun Belt is one of the premier conferences in college football. And and some have argued at times it's been better than a couple, maybe one or two of the Power Five conferences. And you think about, uh, you know, ten conferences, I think you're right there at, 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 at five, six. You're in that range. You've moved up where you've been uh, with some of the additions, with the development of some of your programs. But, Ben, I wanted to ask you this, uh, and, and maybe we'll need to get into it next segment, but when you – when you have fall camp year one new staff, I know you did that with Ron Zook replacing Steve Spurrier. How do you balance the continued installation of spring with getting ready for the start of the season when you have a new staff in fall camp? You want to continue to make an impression. I think sometimes when you look at uh, being in uh, being at college already, every single day in football is an audition. I like the fact that Coach Held is making sure these players know, do not get comfortable. I mean, you have to fight against getting comfortable in college no matter how good of a player that you are, but – you want to be able to show the new members what they're coming into. You don't want Old Dominion and James Madison and Southern Mr. Company coming in because the last thing you want is, is to stop. Like, look, I, I already know I got to compete with Coastal. I already know I got to compete with App. I already know, I mean, what Louisiana does and Georgia State does. I want to be showing the new members, hey, while we appreciate you guys adding, you guys are going to have to earn your keep too because if not, those teams are not coming in saying, hey, man, we look forward to being in the Sun Belt. We're trying to host a Sun Belt championship, but – I want to continue to build trust with my coaching staff, my head coach in particular, because once you realize what college football is, the pressures of college football are felt by the head coach, and he demands that that demand that he puts on you as a player is what you got to be able to live up to day in and day out. And the best can do it. And I'm not saying you're not one of the best, but this is new offense. Coach Brian Ellis is coming over. They're going to throw the football. And, and it's, it's, it's weird. Look, it's weird watching Georgia Tech not run the triple. I, I get it. It's weird watching you know Georgia Southern not run the option. It's weird. So to get the fan base used to what it's going to be, you're going to have to look good doing it. Can't be no 17 to 20 games, put up points, and 
The easiest way to get players in is to show them the product on the field. I went and got not. I went and got one of the best offensive coordinators in college football. When you look at what they did the last three years, BJ, I think we got to go to. A, I think didn't Georgia State play like Western Kentucky at a bowl game that we went to down there? So we've seen what that offense can do. But now, you know, you finna get Kevin. Is the air raid potentially coming coming to Statesboro? We will see. But Coach Helton, one thing he's gonna know real quick: there are no mulligans anymore. Ain't no we're gonna give them a year. No, you better come out firing. And you got to go to Nebraska. Mm, we're going to learn a lot about them boys week two. We've got more to come. Here it is, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Online, ESPNCoastal.com. You can get us streaming in the ESPN app. Also, uh, on your phone, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Find the show. Uh, you can watch us uh, each and every day. Go to ESPN Coastal on YouTube, and you can see the show, catch what you missed, catch past shows uh, out there as well. We're coming back with more three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. We'll check in with David Hale's uh, Future of College Football survey. A lot of great stuff about uh, where people inside the sport feel this thing is headed. And a lot of interesting insight uh, in regards to, uh, to that as well. So uh, we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But let's go to the phones. 912-342-7184. we got our good buddy AC on the line. AC, what's up? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for taking my call. How you guys doing? And we're doing good. Hey, I have a question for you guys, and I have a comment about Rick Flair. They're bothering me, so I have to let you guys know. So the question is, uh, for baseball, for MLB, uh, can you, uh, the Atlanta Braves, they have to make any major trade that move before the trade deadline to compete for a possible back-to-back championship. So the question is, do they have to make a big – they have to add one or two superstars or to get to the next level like last season. And you guys were talking about the funny thing is, you guys give me all the credit to Steve Austin, Rick Flair. There's one name left out that's disrespectful. Let's forget about Brock Lesnar. Come on, guys. He conquered WWE. He conquered UFC. I think he should be at number one. If he cannot be at number one, sorry, guys. I don't know what you're smoking today. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. All right, hey, thank you, thank you for the call, AC. I'm not smoking anything. Pretty sure Brock Brock Lesnar might have been. You don't get that big just because you like to lift weights. Anyway, <laughs> to put Brock Lesnar in the same category that's is ridiculous. That's, that's ridiculous, absurd. AC. That's ridiculous. Brock Lesnar was in the WWE for like ten minutes. Relatively speaking. He was so good at WWF he went to UFC. Like yeah. I <laughs> like I'm not discounting what he did. Yeah. But when you're talking all time, you're not on, putting him in the same now. category. Undertaker, come on Steve now. Austin, Ric Flair, you're not doing it. I'm not calling him a Johnny Come Lately. That's exactly what I'm calling him. Stop with it. Stop with it. Stop with the nonsense. Yeah, no, no, that's a bad take, AC. We love you, but come we, on, yeah, AC. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. But, but 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 BJ, this is what you don't know about AC. He told Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, that's who his favorite team was. He says, "quote I'm a front runner." He, yeah, he, I, he said. He said, "I, I had to hang I, up I, on him because <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 he got a buck." He said, "Whoever win it, that's who I'm going with." What about his uh, Braves question there, Kevin? No, you don't have to sign a superstar. And, in fact, they won't sign a superstar because superstars at this point do what? They cost money. Uh, and I'm not saying the Braves won't spend any, but uh, if you're talking about when, I, when you say superstar, what are you talking about, like Juan Soto? That's not going to happen. Well, Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani, that's not going to happen. I mean, that, and, the, and the Angels came out and said, we're not trading Shohei before the deadline, so forget about that. But, but 
I think what you would have to give up to land a, per, a, a player of that caliber, why, why? You have good players on your team. Michael Harris, buddy superstar. Ronald Acuna, not playing tremendously well, I think it's gonna be, is, is a superstar. Matt Olson's played well. Austin Riley's having an MVP season. You got, the, I think, the best defensive shortstop in the league going right now, and you're going to get Ozzy Albies back. You have a great lineup as it is. Now, left field's a little bit of an albatross, so I think you need to find a piece to fill in out there because Marcelo Zuna doesn't need to be out there with a glove on. He might be able to go out there pregame, wave at the fans, but if he comes out of the dugout with a glove on his hand, I'll be like Jimbo Fisher talking to Jameis Winston warming up uh, there in Tallahassee before the game he suspended for. I'll be like, dude, what are you doing? Go get back in a dugout and sit down and do not come out unless you are ready to hit. Yes. The end. And if they trade Marcelo Zuna, I wouldn't be upset about it. But anyway, no, I don't think they're going to get a superstar. Kirby Yates set to come back to help out in the bullpen. And that's think- my only thing is, 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 right, if you were to say where could you use an addition, you might say the back end of the bullpen simply because the injury issues with, with, with uh, Kenley Jansen we've talked about. Will Smith has been, you know, kind of iffy. And, and, and you're getting that kind of iffy. A, with, with, without having to make a move, Ben, right? So I think so kind of I, iffy and Will Smith is being generous right, right, right. now. So I, I think if Kirby Yates, and I know Fred uh, Owen said he didn't have a great outing last night, you know, minor league-wise, but I think Kirby Yates will be back. I mean, Ben, what do you think? Maybe left field, but I, I, I don't think you have to do a lot. I really don't. Definitely left field. Uh, Marcelo Zona for what he provides. I mean, he, de- he definitely provides some pop, well, but it's the thing. What do you have to give up? I don't think well, Kevin. I mean, Kevin BJ. I don't think you have Rosario. It, yeah, yeah, but this is the thing too, though, right? Uh, Rosario could could be could, you know could be a need filler, but the thing about it, it's just so wide open, uh, so big of a need out there in left field. I mean, you're gonna get Ozzy back. Uh, your starting pitching has been there. I just think that you ride this thing out. You you can all you can always add you can always add a starting pitcher. You can never have enough starting pitching. You talk about you know adding somebody in the back end of you know of your of your. Uh, of your bullpen, but the greatest thing is you don't have to panic. You are doing what you're doing without Ronald Acuna Jr. playing at his best. If he starts playing better, they may sure up because last time I checked, the team with the most points wins, and the Braves are finding a way to get that done more often than not. But Marcel, to call you a liability is being generous. Marcel is all he is awful in the left field. You're gonna have to be able to sure that up because you know BJ. All of a sudden, all the balls are going to the left field. All everybody want to hit to the left field. All of a sudden. When you got a liability out there, Alex Anthopoulos, we trust you, sir. You have earned the trust of not just uh, Kevin Thomas and being true, but B.J. Bennett said he's going to send you I'm a sorry card. You, you know, and he put it in the mail. Well, why wouldn't you trust? Uh, why wouldn't you trust Alex Anthopoulos? Why, why did he not win GM of the year last year? Because they be hating. <laughs> well, maybe he'll win it this year. Who knows? Uh, we've got more to come. Here it is, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back, Kevin, Ben, and BJ. All three of us in the same place at the same time on the show. (laughs) Good to have BJ back uh, here on 3 and Out. And again, college football starting to wind up. The NFL training camps opening have been open all over the place. Wish we had good news to report from Falcons camp. Uh, Ben showed me the first two plays of Falcons camp, a, a, uh, a sack, or what would have been a sack, and then Ben showed me a highlight of Drake London getting no separation, which is what we were all worried about. And that about. was not again A.J. Terrell, by the way. So so there's your Falcons camp I'm update. Just saying, <laughs> Dior, I'm just telling you, I, D. Orlando led better report. It's going to happen sometime this week. And I'm going to say, D. Orlando, yeah, 
You know, talk to me if it's just you and me and nobody's listening. Keep it a buck with me. <laughs> I want to know what's going on. Well, the video highlights you were showing me today didn't make me feel better. I, that's all I'll say. I mean, that's Kevin, all I'll I mean, say. All the, what, what did the Orlando tell us about Drake London? Hey, he can quote run the he can run the go route. They just haven't thrown it to him yet. It was telling me about the offensive line depth chart and uh, that was special. <laughs> it's unique. Who did the Orlando tell us they need to they, they quote got to get him out of there? Like just can't let him play football. I'm trying. To, <laughs> it was bad. I'm trying to think. Look, apparently Jags camp. BJ's. I, we haven't had a chance to feel oh, all the all the oh, Jaguar oh. love. Apparently Trevor Lawrence uh, over the weekend couldn't hit anybody, and today everybody's catching passes. So there you go. There's and your Travis Jags. E- and, Travis e- and Travis Etienne's looking really, really fast. Well, you know that. I mean, is uh, that uh, what? Hold on, look hold, hold on a second. Who's been telling you about Travis Etienne for like a decade now? I but mean, who, but who you do it against has to matter, right? I mean, ain't nobody on that defense really scaring nobody. I'm just saying, BJ. Clay, they said Clayvon Chase not at the top of the number one overall pick. Trevon Walker. All I, the I, money you spent on I'm, that. For, I'm rooting for Trevon. I'm rooting for Trevon The leading Walker. tackler in the NFL. I can't even say, say his name, Kevin. I can't even say his Ola name. Kuhn. I Ola Coon. Ola Coon. You're talking about uh, 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 Josh Allen. No, no, no. Josh Allen is legit. No, Ben is. You, you weren't. You went around. Ben is uh, here saying that Trayvon Walker is. Uh, he is. Will believe it when he sees. it. Yeah, I got to see it. Because BJ, once again, name me a time, this is just being honest, that a guy, no conference teams, no all American teams, six and a half sacks, won out of championship. No, listen, not 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 honorable mention, all SEC, no one overall pick. That's never happened before. I'm not saying he can't start a trade. Not the, the best player the, on his defense. Or one of the best defenses in the history of I'm college listen, football. I, I, I am not I am not taking away from that, though. I am not taking away from that. But this is the thing. You have six and a half sacks on one of the best defenses we've ever seen, probably gonna rank up there at the top. Two or three of all time, and you win number one over. I'm not mad you at him. You got Campbell. You got Campbell from Georgia in yeah. the second. I'm telling you, the defense is going to be better. All, of, all, all I'm saying is, at the end of the day, right? Every when y'all went to the AFC Championship game, you know what? Uh, uh, what Miles Jack, Jalen, right, well, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not that team. Like, like. Yes, I understand it's not the Jaguars team that made the AFC Championship the la- game. The, the Jaguars led the, outside of tra- outside of Trevor Lawrence. The last six years in the draft, Tavon Bryan, uh, what, Dante Fowler, uh, uh, Josh Allen, Chason, Walker. Who's left? You got Walker. He's going to be left. He's we talked about year. some of the uh, – Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones. Hold on. We, hold on. We talking about the defense. You want to go to the offense? We could do it ATN. now. I'm just saying. That's on you. Is, is LaVisca Chanel still your favorite I, Jag I, right I, now? I, I got to get him the ball. All right. Just get him the ball. I'm just saying. This is going to be fun it following is. this <laughs> all season long. With uh, it's going to be fun. They're, they're going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, it. Doug Peterson, I think, makes him a yes, more of a, uh, yeah, a, a, that, a watch than. I mean, look, a, stable a, environment, a, a, an upgrade, you know, stabilization, yes, a, coaching. A real working. Oh, there's guys There are guys tearing ACLs to get to Mike talking about how bad they're talking, Urban they're talking, Meyer was. They talking trash about uh, Urban. Oh, Urban. <laughs> You got Brandon Sheriff, an All Pro, coming in along the offensive line. I know, listen, listen, listen I, I am rooting for the Jags. I'm not rooting for the Jags two Sundays out of the year. You know what? You know two, what two Sundays those are. But outside of that, man, I'm rooting for them boys. I know what it's like when your average, when your average age is like 23, 24. Uh, that can get a little rough. But James Robinson, BJ, back out there. You know, get some, put some respect on his name. Yeah, underrated. But we'll see. Christian Kirk being a headliner. I got a lot it. of camp to get to there with Jacksonville. They're in the Hall of Fame game this week. They are. If I'm not mistaken. So 
Uh, we got that to look forward to uh, as well. But a lot of NFL news uh, out there today. None bigger than BJ than Deshaun Watson, who ends up, well, I say ends up, it could still be appealed, but six games uh, is all that he gets. I say all he gets because it seems like popular sentiment is, I don't understand what the NFL is doing. Now, the players association said, we want zero. NFL claims they wanted a whole year. Third party, judge, she says six games. And Ben has seen an awful lot of players and ex-players on social media today going, wait a minute, I got 12 games for marijuana. Calvin Ridley's got at least a year. It'd probably only be a year, but the way the suspension reads, it's at least a year for gambling. Now, Calvin Ridley did it, right? Because Ben, we made the joke. He goes down to Florida, signs up on a gambling site as probably, hey, my username's Calvin Ridley. Okay, probably not smart to do that. But he gets at least a year. Now, Deshaun Watson, criminally in a criminal court, nothing nothing on the record, right? Not, not going, no jail time, was not, nothing. Civil cases, civilly, he has settled with 20 women. With 20. There's still others out there, but uh, civilly, he has reached settlement with 20 women. Now, as we said earlier in the show, if you settle with one, okay, I might be a little more understanding if you say, listen, it's my word versus her word. If this thing goes to court, it's going to be long. It's going to be drawn out. It's going to be a lot of stuff that I don't want to go through publicly. My legal team said it's worth it to reach a settlement, and let's put this behind us. Okay, that's, that's one. There's 20 of them. So you get a year for marijuana. I think uh, we talked about it. Uh, Darren Waller got a year for substance. Uh, we Calvin really got a year for gambling. We've seen guys get six to eight games for PEDs uh, at, at various times. And you get six with 20 settlements out there. Again, that does not mean you are guilty, mm-hmm. but that means there is, I mean, you are a lot closer to a campfire than you are a matchstick. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that, that I, I'm just saying. Uh, as people read that, and there's a lot of people been that are, I think, upset that it's only six. And as Christian said, there's already people saying, "Oh, only six coming back." Oh man, that's uh, looks like Browns Ravens. Let's get going. I, I, I think that is what people who are upset by this are saying. He's like, "Look, there's 20 women out there you settle with, and there's more. You felt enough about this decision to say, all right, Deshaun, you cannot get caught getting a massage from anybody else." Other than a team, I guess, physical therapist or a massage therapist, and that's it. Same way we gave we gave all the crap last week to Kyler Murray. Why do you feel the need to put a homework clause in there? Okay, if if you're doing the work, we're not putting watch four hours of film in there. Deshaun, if you don't have a problem, why are you getting six games with a caveat that you can't go to a massage parlor unless the team masseuse does it? All right, and you're going to get six games. A lot of people saying, I don't get it, NFL. What, like, are we just making this up as we go along when it comes to punishment? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And for those people that want to do all these things about trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, take up for, for Deshaun Watson, everybody's not judged the same way. You're judged based off the situation that you carry. If you are Deshaun Watson, I am one of the top 32 quarterbacks on the planet. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a professional athlete. I did not conduct myself. I, I don't know what Deshaun was, so I can't speak like you know an absolute of what he did. But he did something. 
because he gave 20 women money. Like, and like you say, Kevin, settlement doesn't mean I'm guilty. It doesn't mean I'm innocent either, either. It means something was done in order to give these women settlements to never see from them and hear from them again. They do a third party, Judge Sue Robinson, right? They're going to look through all this thing and based, based off her, you know, based off what she saw, the evidence, the lack thereof, she made a ruling. She's not wrong in her ruling. The NFL is using a third party to, you know, to keep themselves away from it. Yes, the NFL can come out and say, oh, we wanted a, we wanted a year. Man, that's window dressing. You can say whatever you want it. They've already made a ruling. And Roger Goodell makes his life easier. Roger Goodell wants to be the face of the NFL. I don't want to be the disciplinary. I don't want to be the judge and jury. That's just what the CPA gave me. Now, people say, well, he, he gets a chance to go out there. They got till Thursday to rule. It's probably going to have, it's gonna happen in the midnight hour of Thursday. Watch. And they're going to say, here's what we, I don't think he's going to get more games. But this is the problem about this whole thing. Either when it comes when it comes to women in the NFL, we have, the NFL has a problem. It has a problem now. When it's domestic violence, okay, notable. You supposed to whatever happens to that to that to that guy. We just forget about what happened in Washington. All that stuff that happened with them goes away. Why? Because it's the owner. Came to do nothing, Dan Snyder. When it comes to a guy like Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson is one of the faces of the National Football League. But we got to separate talent from behavior. We can't do it. He is talented. And people say, there's no way he would do that. Why? Because he makes a bunch of money? He, he's a normal person before he's anything. I don't know what Deshaun Watson did, but at the end of the day, it is a bad look. But, Kevin, you said it in the first hour. As soon as he runs out there, it goes away. As soon as this news cycle goes away, it goes away. Now, you're going to have a couple of people that are going to say different things. As soon as they go, touchdown, bro, it goes away. And that's what the NFL knows. Right now, it's a 17-game season. Most teams are not, most uh, games, I mean, uh, records are not decided in six games. You still got 11 games left and a bye week. So oh, it'll be a big talking point until he it, comes it, back. It will, it will be when he comes and back. And that week he comes back. Absolutely. And if he plays well, the next week it'll be like, oh, well, I, I think that doesn't even become a talking point anymore. But it's a bad look. It, 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 it's a really bad look, and it's hard to understand. And this is straight from the news release uh, on ESPN, uh, or, or, or story by uh, Jake Trotter, just to, just to you know, Provide the backdrop again. Watson has been accused of sexual assault and inappropriate conduct during massage sessions and civil lawsuits filed by 25 women. And and as you said, I guess most of those have been settled. There's you know clearly still some things uh, yet to be determined there. But but six games, uh, given all that's gone on, given you know the information that's been been put out there, obviously which is very concerning. The allegations very very concerning. Uh, six games is is hard to understand. I mean, and and especially when you compare it to you mentioned the Ridley thing, and I think for Calvin Ridley, and I think we all agreed, you know, just talking about that independently, right? When that first came out, like, wait a second, a guy who's not playing on a team got a year long plus potential suspension for betting on a game, and you you look at this, and it's and it's six games, and it's it's really hard to understand and and it's really not a good look and like you guys have said there have already been you know conversations social media whatever fans going okay so if we go 4 and 2 here and you know move forward here you're already talking about it in football terms and this is very serious this is this is you know what you're talking about here is is a a a potentially very bad thing given you know the allegations and given the conversations and you know, what may or may not have happened. Like you said, Ben, we don't know. 
Uh, but to review all this, and not only is it is it a six game suspension, just that, but there's no fine, right? You're talking about you're talking no, about no, 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 he'll, no, no, he'll, no, he'll he'll get he'll he'll get fined. First, so every time you suspend, they find you the game checks. But this is the thing. But there's no additional. There's no, no additional. There's no fine. additional. There's no this additional is also fine. the lowest amount he's going to be paid over the life of yes. that contract. And, so, and, right. And for those people thinking, hey man, well maybe they're doing that. Because he was suspended in 2021. No, he wasn't suspended in 2021. He sat out. What does that mean? That means he got paid. So he got paid in 2021. It's so as he, though he was injured. Yes, right? he got he got his full salary in 2021. He and I don't know, I don't know what the dollar amount was to the 20 women, but he's not gonna he's gonna get fined a little bit over three hundred thousand dollars. His salary in 2022 uh, is only a million dollars. So that two hundred thirty million doesn't even stop. Start till twenty twenty three. So look at all. So look at all these. Look at all these things uh, that the Browns are doing to take care of Deshaun Watson. So the Houston Texans still paid him to not be a distraction, right? He paid. He, he had. He paid twenty women settlements, and he's going to get every cent of that two hundred thirty million. So in a sense, he's not losing anything. And and this is what people ain't really saying. What if Deshaun Watson comes back week seven, balls out? The Browns make the playoffs. People are gonna say, "Oh, because once again, we have a hard time believing that quote celebrities do crazy stuff." No, they do crazy things. I'm I'm just saying, if my talent is up here and my behavior is down there, I got the I got the I got to pick a side. Cleveland Cleveland made their decision. Cleveland, listen, Cleveland signed Deshaun Watson before Lamar Jackson signed, before Kyler Murray signed, right? They they they. Two hundred thirty million. That's based on what we think he could do on a team that doesn't even have a winning record or or, yeah, or winning I, at all. So we'll see. But I mean, just 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 given the seriousness, uh, obviously unacceptable allegations, and you're talking about uh, six games and and no additional fine is is not a good look, and it's really hard. No, to No, I mean you're right. I and and again, Ben, I we got about like a minute. What do you kind of what do you kind of come down on Cleveland making a move on this before? This was all even said and done because, like you said, they knew this was happening because the contract was. I mean, and I know people say, "Oh, agents do this all the time, backload contracts." Oh, I mean, okay. So, uh, out of two hundred million, a guy who is a veteran in the league is only going to take a million in the first year. That's not backloading. That is pre-planned. Like yeah. Deshaun Watson taking a million in year one. No, you're getting two hundred twenty million. They might say, "Why don't you take ten or 15? I could say take one. I, I, I think it's a bad look for Cleveland as well. If you think that, if listen, for all of you who ever want to know who run the National Football League, I give you, listen, I give you quarterbacks. You don't believe me? Why can't you hit quarterbacks higher anymore? Peyton Manning, why can't you hit them low? Tom Brady, who runs the NFL, the top 10, the top 10 best quarterbacks in the country? You don't believe me? What? Deshaun Watson is the top 10 quarterback who hasn't played in a year, and he got more guaranteed money than players that did. Because his talent supersedes Super duper bad behavior and decision making, but at the end of the day, it's a bottom line business. The bottom line, he can help by he can help sell tickets, he can help he can help sell jerseys, he can help he can help get people to the TV screen, and he's good for business. We've got more to come here. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Monday. Braves off tonight. They have made a move. They get Ira Adrianza coming back over from the. Washington Nationals uh, in exchange for an outfielder named Harris. No, not that one. Don't freak out. It was Trey Harris. Still a pretty good young outfielder, but not of the same caliber as one Michael Harris. So, Ira Adrianza going to come back. He'll be able to play second base. 
outfield if need be uh, to try to shore up. Not hitting the best with the Nationals, I think under 200, but uh, better than what I guess they felt about with anybody else they had as a, as an option. And it's had success with the Braves before. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and they DFA'd Robinson Cano. So, uh, that happening, no Braves tonight. Two games with the Phillies, and then the big five games in four days against the New York Mets upcoming. Trade deadline coming up tomorrow. We'll see if the Braves pull anything off uh, in regards to uh, to that after what they've done today. Also going to have uh, Rich Stiles talking some uh, some golf with him. And Robbie Ross going to join us tomorrow, Wednesday. Ben sits down with Quincy Carter for Troop Talk. And Sean Elliott, Georgia State, uh, will join us and we'll talk some college football I mean, about his program coming up there on Wednesday. If you missed uh, Go ahead. Hey, Robbie, going to join us tomorrow. Georgia Southern starts spring practice tomorrow. So if you missed any of the show, ESPNCoastal.com, you can go Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or go to our, our web uh, our page on YouTube, ESPN Coastal on YouTube, and you can catch the show there as well. This has been 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.